Hello, you. Welcome to episode 93 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Dedman. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm very, very well. How Got are you? Got myself a coffee? Got myself a coffee. Uh, I was delayed getting back to Steve doing this. I was just saying to Steve how it's funny how I managed to be late even when I ha- where I have nowhere to go. Um, yeah. See, but... people who just listen to the show don't know this. No, that's true. But yeah, you are always fucking late um, come around my house or came around my house we usually we usually aim to to record around six and most of the time i get there about 20 past um but something seven something no, no so that has occasionally <laughs> happened but um it, it's do you know this is gonna sound like i protest too much it's never my fault steve it's never my fault <laughs> it honestly isn't it's so fucking annoying it's never my fault and just now, uh, I was being distracted by my housemate, who, bless her, uh, is bored out of her mind and has nothing to do. But I think she sort of assumed that um, no one else has anything to do at the moment either. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you'll, be know, yes. you'll be glad to know, Renfrey. You'll be glad to know that I I don't live in that house anymore. No. So I know what you mean. The the the, the transport getting to Greenwich. I do miss Greenwich, but um, anyway, it on. is a shitter getting to, getting yeah. to your old place. It was a shitter, to be honest. Yeah, anyway. it was a bummer. Um, it's not. <laughs> much easier here to be honest mate no. um because i'm right out in the middle of fucking nowhere mm. but but having a nice time anyway Looks i hope lovely. you're all all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah nice. we hope you're all, um, all right sincerely on the new show this week the new show this week it's a new type of show <laughs> uh it's not it's the same old show that we normally so, same, do reviewing same. new albums from moby and paradise lost plus recapping recent releases from the strokes mark lanigan therapy and bear plus on Broken Records, we pray to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost as we are blessed <laughs> and born again by Richard Ashcroft and his, frankly, bewildering United Nations of Sound project. Uh, before we go any further, as usual, we should shout out our friends at Musicism. Uh, go to musicism.net, music, I-S-U-M. If you haven't got anything to do, maybe you should point your housemate in this uh, in the direction of those guys, Renfrew. That's not a bad idea, actually. I imagine um, my 70-year-old housemate, Wanda, would make an incredible producer. Um, <laughs> oh, God, I've ousted her now. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> <Well>. let's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think she listens, so it doesn't really matter. But yes. Uh, I think it's worth learning a new skill. Yeah, oh, 100%. Always. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I know, I mean, our friend Merlin at, at Metal Hammer, he's just telling me he's got back into reading. And watching basketball. It's got back into reading. (laughs) He was like, yeah, I just bought a book. And I was like, oh, yeah, books. I'm on the verge of getting Derby County into the Premier League on FIFA 20. Lovely. So I'm not wasting my my spare time. Not that I've got that much of it, but, you know, I'm definitely not wasting it. Anyway, what this has got to do with musicism, I don't know. Musicism.net, go over there. As uh, Renfrey said, if you want to improve your skills and learn a new skill, maybe as a guitarist or a producer or a singer, a songwriter, they will help you out. Also, if you sign up for their monthly online tutorial videos, you can get 25% off of that monthly price when you put the code Riot in capitals in the checkout. Um, we should probably have a little chat about our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Podcast, where we have just, as we record this, put up a podcast regarding the debut album by Candlebox, which I think is the longest Rioters review we've ever done yeah it's a, isn't it? it's a little bit over an hour yeah yeah yeah, yeah and we, mad, that. we wanged on and on and on about there's not loads of candlebox talk in it really i mean there is some no um, a little bit but we mainly talked about grunge and that era and and a lot of misgivings about that era you brought out your big book yeah everybody loves ta- yeah. uh everybody loves this town but which is fantastic <laughs> yeah 
Um, got your big book, Alan. Got your yeah. big book. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, uh, I, I well, fuck it. I'm going to say I um, think it's the best one we've done so far. Actually, I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah. To be followed by Betty by Helmet. Mm. That's coming as well, which I liked. Yes. It, um, actually, before that, we've got London Grammar. Truth is a beautiful thing. Uh, yes, we're and more London ahead. Grammar, that's we're coming more as ahead well. than you think, Steve. We're more. We're, ahead so, we're really ahead. Yeah, we are um, really and ahead. also on the classic album series. So you know, if you want to, if you want to sign up and get the writers review, that's any amount of money, five pound a month. Um, that five pound tier gets you access to our classic album series, which we have been going pretty mental on mm. recently, haven't we? We did six hours the other day talking about the Manic Street Preachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Holy yeah. Bible and everything must go, um, I which feel, I fucking love. I feel like I say it every time and I feel like I can say this uh, this time because these were your picks technically, but I definitely do think it's the best one we've done so far. Mm-hmm. And one on a band that have a lot of um, misconceptions and misgivings and kind of, you know, they're not the band now that they were then. <laughs> I mean, mm. that's one of the biggest changes in a band's career you can yeah. ever really... Um, apologies to do shitloads of admin at the top of the show, but um, there are a few things I wanted to say really quickly. We've had a bit of a juggle and a shift with our classic albums. Um, we have been wanging on about um, Weezer and Blur quite a lot. We've actually, even though those are recorded and done and technically we could put them out whenever we bloody wanted to, we are actually going to put a pin in them because um, what with it, what with current events in the world, we're wanting to put out as much content for you guys as possible. And um, I'm, I'm very happy to just admit this. We've been doing this thing where we've been giving away um, two parters, the first part for free. And then the second part on our uh, patron page. And to be honest with you guys, that's been working very well for us <laughs> in terms of getting our Patreon numbers up. I'm not going to piss about. Um, yeah. It's all a business scheme, yada, yada, yada. To those who have signed up and feel a bit like, oh, but I've you know, paid for this stuff, you're not getting any less than you would have done before. We are just working harder and we're putting more stuff out. So if anyone mm. feels that way, I apologise, but I assure you that is not the case. Um, we're just well, shitting out more content. For example, we were just going to do the Holy Bible. Exactly. And at the last minute, I said, why don't we do Holy Bible and everything must go? Exactly. And so you're getting the Holy Bible. Everybody gets the Holy Bible. For free. And I for free. And I hope that if you signed up, you're going, oh, great. I've still got another, you know, nearly three hours of um, Manic's chat talking about everything, everything must go, go as well. Exactly. exactly. And that kind of completes the story. And if it's if you don't want to sign up, uh, we hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy the Holy Bible. Exactly. And if you do, you get the full bloody story. Yeah. And also, we, you know, we're going to be doing that with Lamb of God. I think we're going to be doing that with Glassjaw as well, aren't we? Soon? We're going to be doing that with Glassjaw. Yeah. Um, which I am super fucking excited about. As a matter of mm. fact, as you listen to this, Glassjaw is the next one that's going to come out. In fact... Oh, I'm scared to say this because we've not even recorded it. This is usually the sort of thing you do, Steve, but fuck it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's going to come out in three days' time. Um, so, yes, because uh, it was the 20th anniversary of everything you ever wanted to know about silence not too long ago. Um, yep. So we're doing it for that. We do think about these things. We do think about the world outside and the relation to how these albums are being released. And actually, uh, that leads me on to a second admin point. Apologies, that I'm overtaking this intro, Steve. But... Um, uh, the reason we're not putting Weezer out yet is it was to coincide with the release of Van Weezer, which has been put back. Um, as a lot of you know, loads of albums are being put back at the moment. Um, so yeah. in our infinite 
wisdom. Can we say that about ourselves? Not really. Um, we can do. <laughs> we have basically decided that we will be reviewing new releases each week, but we'll also be doing our infamous catch-up shows, um, but spread out more so than we normally do. So normally we do sort of eight to ten albums in a catch-up show because finding a week where there isn't much going on is normally very, very difficult. With circumstances being how they are, um, we have weeks and weeks and weeks where we go, holy shit, there isn't an awful lot going on this week. So we're just going to spread out catch-up shows over the next sort of few um, weeks, let's say, roughly. Mm. We haven't really decided how long it's going to be, but um, yes. So it'll be an interesting yeah. mix for, for the next couple of weeks. I hope that's okay. Hey, it's circumstances dictating that. It's nothing to do with us. Uh, Lamb of God also has been put back. Alanis Morissette, which has broken my heart, has been put mm. back. Bon Jovi, which has broken your yeah. heart, I know. It has, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's just so many big, 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 big albums which have been put back. It just seems like the only sensible thing to do. Yeah, and we have missed a fair few because, you know, we, well, that a lot of music came out at the start of the year and yes. we were only doing kind of four a week. Yes. So, yeah, so I've picked an extra four this week, basically. Like I say, you know, Strokes, Mark Lanning and Therapy and Bear feels like they're fairly recent enough yeah. um, for oh, us yeah. to just be sort of, anyway, getting on with it. But yeah, we will be kind of diving back, delving back into the archives of stuff that we've heard but haven't actually had a chance to talk about. Um, Apologies for that, Steve. I just felt like we needed to that's make cool. all that clear. Yeah. Don't worry. I think uh, we should also say um, R.I.P. to Richard Wayne Pennison, hmm. a.k.a. Little Richard, who died from bone cancer at the age of 87 on the 9th of May. Um, unquestionably, unquestionably one of the most important figures in the history of rock music, of rock and roll. Um, you know, his nicknames, the originator, the innovator, the architect of rock and roll. I feel like you're just born knowing songs like Tutti Fruity, Good Golly Miss Molly, Long Tall Sally. Like you just know those songs. Um, he is an, an incredibly important artist. He is an artist who I feel like um, probably doesn't have a direct influence on many of the people that we talk about on this show. However, he has an indirect influence on literally every single artist we talk about on this show. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, that's fair to say. um and therefore is incredibly important um he was sort of for a long time kind of whitewashed out of history i remember growing up um certainly my perception was uh elvis presley invented rock and roll um and i mean that really is not true <laughs> at no. all i'm not an expert on rock and roll but a lot of people will point to little richard as the inventor of rock and roll um let's not piss about he was a troubled character and um and, and i know he's dead and i apologize but he was an awful man in lots and lots of ways in a sort of private personal way and i don't think i'm seeing a lot of bit of victories which are kind of glossing over that and i kind of think yeah i mean let's not piss around he was an awful human being in lots of ways but his uh his contribution to modern music is undeniable you, you, you just you just can't I don't think we'd be, I don't think a lot of the bands that we talk about would be, we'd be talking about in the manner that we're talking about them if it weren't for Little Richard. It's just, mm. he, he is just one of the most important people in modern music, full stop, regardless of, you know, things he did. So, yeah. Well, I mean, he's one of the most punk fucking people ever to walk. I mean, he's Lemmy's, I think Lemmy says it as, as sort of eloquently as any, or as kind of, you know, 
uh, as straight as anyone. He says, um, I, you know, pardon the pun. For me, Richard, little Richard was the king. Imagine being black and gay and from Georgia. No wonder he became a singer. He never could have been a boxer. Um, <laughs> one of the first black musicians, one of the first openly gay musicians to kind of mm. a, a achieve success. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, when you think of it, it, the the success he had in the in the early fifties, um, you were getting crowds of white and black people turning up to that kind of segregation that had always happened. He was one of the first people. Little Richard concerts would have been one of the first times where that segregation started to. I mean, I'm sure it was, uh, and you can read about how you know hostile an environment yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, during those shows but the fact that they were happening at all yeah. I think it's, he deserves an enormous amount of credit for just being I mean that's cult some people we talk about uh, they are important in the music we listen to or they are important to us personally because of the music they made not many of them that we talk about are important are culturally important mm. and I think Little Richard is culturally important absolutely you know I mean and that's a that's the distinction that I think we should definitely make. I think um, I think Little Richard yeah. is a very good example of why you can't or or why you shouldn't um erase people out of history just because they are troubled characters, you know. I mm. think he because un, undeniably he had yeah, I, I well you've said it all as brilliantly and eloquently as I could anyway. I mean without him Without him, I'm I'm not sure this show would be totally different. It, just all modern music would just be completely and utterly different. I think it's mm. fair to say. And yep. you know, it was him who brought rock and roll to the people. Um, Elvis took it and put a white face on it, um, which was deemed more sellable at the time. Um, you know, it's, it's a very the rock and roll story is very fascinating and full of racism and all sorts of interesting things. Um, but. Um, yeah, undoubtedly he had a massive, 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 massive part. Of, I can't even, I could say massive for the rest of this podcast and it would still understate how important uh, he was to modern music. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, RIP Little Richard. Um, from the sublime to the ridiculous, uh, <laughs> Brian May has said he is in relentless pain. Um, no, he hasn't been listening to the Cosmos Rocks. Um, <laughs> he has torn his buttocks after a gardening mishap um 2020 is just so fucking weird <laughs> uh, it's just so weird i mean he's he's i've he said i managed to rip my gluteus maximus to shreds in a moment of over enthusiastic gardening what does that even mean? <laughs> I posited to you earlier this week that maybe he ripped it because he was uh, listening to our broken record on uh, the Cosmos Rocks and was uh, so yeah. stunned by our appraisal of it that he slipped and has just said it's a gardening incident. Of course it is, Mr. May. Uh, no, I yeah. don't know. I mean, we shouldn't mock really. Um, uh, and genuinely, I hope you... <laughs> is this just a... It's, just... it's only because it's only funny because it's his bum, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, funds the are funny. that's the only reason this is funny and it, obviously it's not funny and you know get well soon mr may sorry for dismissing your admittedly dreadful record um but it is awful uh but you've done some quite good things admittedly over the years um but you know he's torn his bum it's funny mm. <laughs> it's just funny yeah it's quite funny it, it feels quite funny coming so quickly after <laughs> 
like us doing the Cosmos watch. I don't think we probably wouldn't have mentioned it unless yeah. it was that. Uh, so that's Co- weird. Um, coincidence, though. I mean, there's no such thing as coincidence. It can't be. <laughs> no, it can't be. The Cosmos was speaking to you, Brian. Um, yeah. Um, uh, sad reaction from Sparkly Breast and Row Hypno Twitter uh, after Reading and Leeds was cancelled as well. So you know that's a shame. There won't be a load of pilled up twats. Won't be able to watch. <laughs> won't be able to like stare at Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> not really know what's going on this year what a shame um we should... quite, quite different to how i felt about arc tangent and bloodstock being cancelled last week i'm kind of like good i think the only reason why it is worth mentioning here though the reading and lease cancellation is that does feel like the final nail in the coffin yeah um i mean yeah. that that is you know it is official kids summer is cancelled now mm-hmm. uh because reading and Leeds is the last big one um to come in the calendar and it's been cancelled and you know not a massive surprise but you know sorry to be the bearer of bad news everyone but yeah summer is indeed cancelled uh yeah it is that's the last one you know like you say inevitable but um uh you know (laughs) would have been crap anyway um Right, let's do some reviews. Speaking of would have been crap anyway, <laughs> let's talk about Moby. Um, Moby's new album is called All Visible Objects. It is his 17th studio album from the New York-based um, vegan, uh, whatever he is. Well, the, uh, the, the man f- who wished he slept with Natalie Portman, I believe. That's what he's most famous for these days, isn't it? Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? That was fucking bonkers. Me and Natalie Portman used to go out. Natalie Portman goes, no, <laughs> no we, we didn't. didn't. And he goes, ah, well, I think we did. <laughs> it's absolutely mad absolutely mad um all right mate he's not been in the charts or had really had any kind of mainstream uh success or exposure for a long time and to kind of come back by just kind of randomly going hey guys um i uh me and natalie portman were dating when she was like 17 and i was 36 i know and natalie portman to go no, he weren't. <laughs> and, he went, and, he, and rather than just go, I'll just disappear again then, he was like, no, nah, we were. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, maybe. I mean, you know, I I, I always think there's, there's a grey area in uh, everything. But if someone completely just comes out and goes, well, we weren't, then I think you probably have to go, well... You probably weren't there, right? Yeah. <laughs> you probably weren't. But as as you say, there's two sides to every story, and uh, then there's the truth. Um, but mm. actually, I'm inclined to believe Natalie Portman on this one. So yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, that, that's an odd. Like, not to get too much into it, but that, the oddest couple since. Um, do you know Charlie Theron used to go out with Cam from Modern Family? Have you seen Modern Family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. No, I didn't know yeah, that. She, oh, yeah, Eric right. Stone Street. They used to go out, and I was like, oh, that gives- how's he man that? How's he managed that? I guess people like me hope. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Renfrey's going to be going out of Kelly Brook this time next week. <laughs> I, 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 Kelly, I don't think Kelly Brook's my type, to be honest. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. No, not really. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> not, why you're not going I mean, out there, no, isn't it? No, oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that's, that's, Renfrey, I don't want to I'm mis- too good for Kelly Brook. <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, let's go with that. Anyway, yeah, fine. 17th, um, studio, 17th studio album 17th by Moby. 17th studio album. Mate, I was he, a, a totally unaware that he was that prolific, I have to say. Well, it's a follow-up to last year's Long Ambience 2, mm. and he's been a busy boy, mm. Moby, recently. He's yeah. done six albums since 2016. Six? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've not heard any of them nope. until this one, yeah. unless this one counts. Um, I'm not going to yeah, listen he's, to any of them. 
<laughs> after no, listening to um, this one. So I feel like we've already sort of answered this, but do we like Moby Renfrey? How do you feel about uh, Moby? Well, okay. Um, I would say I am fairly disinterested in Moby. I don't dislike... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You've literally just uh, drank from some water and then Steve just put it directly in front of his camera. So all I could see was a bottle of Evian. Live young. Mm. Other water is available. Um, and uh... <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> And um, it, it was just very funny. Oh, dear. Um, but obviously a visual thing. Um, I was fairly disinterested in Moby is my feeling. Um, an ex of mine owned Play, which is the big album, the big, big, big album, um, which I listened to a few times, um, you know, uh, with her in the background and stuff. And... I've always found that Moby is brilliant. Hold on, hold on. You listen to play, but with her in the background. So you made her sort of stand behind <laughs> you while you listen. You're Whilst... coming across as what? quite a... <laughs> Kelly Brook is not good enough for me. All my women must stand in the background while I listen to Oh, music. God. Whilst myself and my ex were were hanging out, doing whatever we were doing, Moby's play would be playing in the background sometimes, is what I was saying. My goodness, you've definitely made this far more awkward than it needed to be, but that's fine. Um, uh, and I've always found, I've always feel that I quite, Moby's, so a lot of Moby's music is really good to soundtrack moments in films and stuff like that. He even did, the yep. the album he did before play was him redoing a bunch of soundtracks, wasn't it? I remember actually buying on single his uh, reworking of the James Bond theme, which is dated terribly, by the way. Um, but he, he is date oh, it's, hasn't it? Oh, hasn't it's it? so bad, isn't wow, it? Wow, I know that came on. I was doing, I think when we were talking about Bond themes a few months ago, I did the, listen to all the, and that came on and I was like, what's this? And I was like, is this Adam Clayton and um, Larry Mullen? And I was like, no, no, they did the Mission Impossible, hmm. which is dated much better. Hmm. Uh, still not great, but uh, that has dated much better. But yeah, Moby's Bond theme is. I implore everyone to go out and listen to uh, Moby's 1997 james bond re well redoing of the james bond theme because like at the time well as i said i bought it on single i fucking loved it um but my goodness it it probably dated about a week after i bought it it's uh it's so 1997 uh came out um alongside tomorrow never dies which is pretty yep. bad pretty bad film um mm. Yes, and I, I, but I, when listening to Moby stuff on record, not that I've listened to loads on record, if I'm honest, but when I have done, I've just found that really it's usually sort of 20 minutes worth of ideas scattered over about an hour, you know? And um, I mean, I realise I am really spunking this very early on, but 21 years and 12 albums later, it appears that not much has changed. Uh, so that's my feeling of Moby. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yours, Steve, yours is a bit different, isn't it? A little bit. I mean, I remember hearing this dude on the... I mean, I remember the rave, the early kind of rave stuff um, that was coming out in the... What, what would it have been? Um, uh, probably like 92, maybe 93. You know, um, I guess you... What was the sort of the, the big the big hit that he had? Um, Go, wasn't it? Was that what it was called? Go, yeah. And I was like... Nah, not for me. And I quite liked a lot of that stuff. And I, I never really 
I never really got it. And I thought, you know, it's like the Orb and Orbital and mm, all those kind mm, of bands, mm. Future Sound of London, all that stuff was happening. And I never was really that into any of those bands. Same. But, um, but I at least sort of, I think later on, I've come to sort of appreciate it. I could never really appreciate Moby so much. So I was sort of aware that Moby was this dude. Um, but then we, I found out he was a punk. I was like, he's a mm. punk, wasn't he? Remember, he keeps going on. He's in, I was in Flipper. No, you weren't. You were in Flipper. You were in Flipper for two days. You said you were, in, you were not in Flipper. Like, stop saying you were. I know he played bass when they reformed in 2000. He's like, nah, I was, yeah. But he kept going on about, oh, yeah, I was in Flipper and I was in a hardcore band and stuff. And I was like, were you really? Um, he, does like, so, he does like to fluff up his CV, doesn't he? Oh, I mean, does he ever? And, and his love life by the sounds of it. But, you know. He's, everything. Everything <laughs> is just that I'm much better. It probably isn't really. It's probably only his second album. He's just put <laughs> it's his 17th album just to make it sound like he's more prolific than he is um but anyway animal rights came out in 1996 which is the, the best year for music and i got it because i was like well moby goes punk you know after doing all the rave stuff like him going back to his hardcore roots and whatnot i was like oh i'm sort of intrigued by that and i actually heard a song um on a metal hammer on a Metal Hammer CD. Mm, yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Moby on a Metal Hammer cover map CD. Oh, it wasn't that at all. No, I know. It was but... somebody love. Um, and so I bought the, the album, you know, covered Mission and Burma mm-hmm. on the record. And I put it away and I thought, oh, it's quite good, actually. That is quite good. Oh, yeah, all right. Fair enough, Moby. Mm-hmm. That's quite good. And I didn't, I haven't listened to it for years and years and years. By the way, our old mate, Robert Christogoo, in researching Animal Rights by Moby, Robert Christogoo, who has never, ever given a good punk or metal or alternative rock album a good review, ever gave Animal Rights an A-. minus. So it must be good, right? It must be really good. If Robert Christogoo likes it and he hates punk so it must be really good i've not uh, well i guess i've not heard this record i mean and and you have um do you agree with robert's uh, assessment i went and back i went back and listened to it mm-hmm. uh, as it being the only moby album that i owned uh before this one came out and it is fucking rubbish it right. is shite okay. it is fucking shite that record mm-hmm. it's really dated so badly and it's it's crap right. the first song on it is called come on baby and he's just going oh come on baby is and that is that a co-write with uh, ian watkins yeah i mean oh god that's <laughs> gross but um but yeah it's i might just, have it's, to cut that out it's a grim it's a grit it's a grim record it's just got a lot grimmer but i never thought it was grim before i just thought it was like and t- well, I thought it was I think, good, and then I heard I think it today, I, and I was like, mm. "I think I just made it grim." I do apologize for that. Did, that was yeah. a little bit too far. I apologize. But, but you know, so I, I had animal rights. I was like, "Oh, that's good," but it became one of those records that I just never listened to. But in my head, I was like, "Oh, I quite liked it." Listening back to it now, it's like it's it's shit. It's not good at all. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, um, which is annoying because Andy Gillen was slagging off Moby, and I was like, "Well, animal rights is good." Andy went, Gillen was slagging something Palm, off. I know, I can't believe it. Andy Gillen from Palm Reader. Uh, and I was yes. like, mate, listen to Animal Rights. It's actually, you might like it. It's actually good. Andy, like Andy Gillen so likes everything. Don't worry about it. No, I know. Um, he does have and then you, And then the, uh, the, obviously, play came out. And that is the big one. 
And I heard, uh, uh, why does my heart feel so bad? And I thought, that's quite good. And it was on the beach, on the beach, wasn't it? The beach soundtrack. Why does my soul? And then Mm. people, we come together, (laughs) people, they fall apart. Um, And I was like, "Mm, not, that's not as good. Uh, Mm. And then Mm. every single song from that record was on every single advert. Yes. And I thought, "Mm, you're, this is, I mean, I, I I don't want to use the term sellout, but he's a bit like the sort of the original Skrillex, isn't he, Moby? <laughs> like pretending that he was a proper punk, pretending that he was like, you know, a hardcore icon and pretending that he goes, oh, my name's, my name's Skrillex. I was in from first to last. <laughs> you know, they were awful. They were awful. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> Ooh, um, my name's Moby. I met Flipper for. T- I hung out with Flipper for two days, and I said I was in the band. No, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't. I never made the connection, but yeah, he is. Yeah, you never see like Moby. Ne- never see Moby and Skrillex in the same room together, though, do you? Just no. Saying. Yeah. Um, never see Moby so and Michael yes. Stipe in the same room together either. You never really see Moby in a room dear no no that that is an interesting thing and i do apologize we've gone all around the houses already with this show it's going to be a long one isn't it but i thought drunkenly one night in oxford and in sainsbury's local um in town that i did see moby um, <laughs> i have to say i was this is the, this is can i just before you start this is the the curse of all bald men right this is <laughs> oh people have come up to me and gone oh my god ainsley harriet oh oh my I god mean, britney spears like do you know what i mean oh my god it's morph it's, you know it's, what I mean? it's not as bad as like um mixing up nish kumar and ramesh ranganathan i don't think but no. but <laughs> i was I mean, there's no two ways about it. I was fucked. I was off my tit, uh, drunk, and I encountered a bald... Sound really proud of yourself as well. (laughs) I kind of was. I encountered a a bald white man, I'm sorry to say, Steve, and was just convinced it was Moby. Um, And I went up to said man, said, you Moby? (laughs) He didn't seem very happy about the suggestion, but him... In my drunken state, I was so convinced it was Moby and I was so pissed off that he was pretending that he wasn't Moby to me that it actually got quite... The I'm not proud of this. T- the police were called and it was bad. You, <laughs> you got the police called on you because you said a, a man was... Look, speaking as a man, a bald man, right? I know that you get told that you look like every other bull. Oh, look, it's whatever bull person pops into their head. And that guy was probably sick of being told that he looked like a fucking, you know, everything from Jason Statham to a chupa chup. <laughs> and I look back every on it, day I'm, all the time. No, I, I am ashamed, Steve. I am ashamed. It, it happens. You look, here he is. Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse <laughs> Now. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. Character. It's mm. it's true. Well, I mean, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was, I didn't get a, I was just given a stern telling off and told to go home yeah. and sober up, which is well, exactly what I did. But yeah, mm. look, I know it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Okay, and I wasn't there. I didn't even yeah. know you then. But yeah. it wasn't Moby. <laughs> no, no, it was, no, I I realized in the morning. Well, probably the afternoon. By the time I woke up, that probably wasn't Moby, was it? But at the time, I was convinced it was. 
Student days. See, what I, like, what I liked about this, right, people listening, is that Renfrey said to me, oh, if we review Moby, I'll be able to tell my, my story. story about when I met my Moby story. And I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. I, you know, Assuming you were like, yeah, I interviewed Moby once and actually this happened. And did a, but that's not true at all. You've just seen a man. Well, I've just done like, a Moby. Your Moby story could be now. You I've, could say to me, oh, I, I interviewed Moby because look, it's like, ha ha, I'm hilarious. But I've right? just done a Moby. Uh, I mean, it, it's better. Like, like I've just exaggerated. I exaggerated to you what the story actually yeah. was. I, I'm, I basically, Steve. I'm a fucking genius. Um, there's another mm. story from that time when I picked up a dwarf, but we'll save that for another time because it's got nothing to do with Moby. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know when. Let's hope the dwarfs release an album, shall we? Uh, I mean, massive apologies to the dwarf as well, because again, looking back on it, no, uh, it was my 21st birthday, but it's no excuse looking back on it now. But, you know, mm. I was 21 and I figured I can do what I like. <laughs> that was my attitude at you the time. You are desperate to get cancelled this I, week, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely desperate. God, I, so I, this, I'm being quite controversial today, aren't I? I need to start. Yeah. All right. So this, this, this record... Yes. Moby. Yes. yes. Uh, and then, you know, Play came out and I thought, uh, I'm not really... This is like... It started off quite nice. I think I bought it, actually, or somebody... I think my mum bought it because she like because everybody had you had to have a copy in your house oh some, like, everybody had a copy of that it, album. it was one and, of those records yeah 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 everyone yeah. had it and then and then he followed it up with something and everyone went this is just the same thing and oh god it's shit and then he sort of he's vanished really isn't he i wouldn't say he's not completely vanished but no one really thinks or talks about moby at all anymore mm, mm. um apart from us on this mm. and I have to say, I kind of liked it more when I wasn't talking about Moby because it, if it means having to listen to this, um, <laughs> this is an exhaustingly boring and painstakingly overblown record that <laughs> put that seems on the poster. Have, yeah, that <laughs> seems to have well, fifteen minutes of ideas. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's got 15 I'm going to be kind I think it's got 20 minutes worth of ideas but this record is 72 minutes and 46 seconds long um, I mean yeah the last the last four songs are 9 minutes 46 6 minutes 41 7 minutes 32 and 9 minutes and 17 seconds so you're looking at kind of roughly uh, half an hour bit more than yeah. half an hour um, I mean of it, sorry kind of nothing in reality, those songs are about three minutes each in terms of how much ideas they have in them. But yes, they 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 do take up almost half an hour, just over half an hour, I think, those last four songs. Mm. Um, it's an album yeah. of two halves, isn't it, this one? You've got the umpty thumpty 90s dance stuff, and then you've yep. got the uh, more ambient piano warbling kind of stuff. Uh, long-term listeners um, won't be getting a prize for uh, figuring out which half i prefer uh because obviously it's the ambient piano stuff um i like i like the first half much more oh do you okay fair enough i mean um yeah i just want to provide a little bit of balance um in just to say that you know some of the nice ambient piano led stuff i think is quite nice it's quite akin to the cinematic orchestra for example as a band that we talked about in the past or maybe a winged victory for the sullen uh, we've not really talked about them all that much, but there's a bit of start of the lid there as well. I don't think it's anywhere near as layered or interesting 
as those three bands that I've just mentioned. And at nine, you know, to give an example, Too Much Change is one of those songs. Uh, that's nine minutes and 47 seconds long. It's way too long uh, and sh- sh- shows very little progression in that time whatsoever. But overall, like, I, ju- I just like that stuff. But then for me, I still wouldn't go to this record because the other half is full of stuff that I don't like. And I also think that the piano warbly stuff that I do like is done so much better by a million other bands. So it's all a bit pointless, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. I quite uh, like... I've, I've, Sorry. I found the second half really quite exhausting. Okay. I found the first half a yeah, nice little nod back to stuff that, again... I don't even love it. I don't even love that type of music, but I like it. You know, it's very nineties, it isn't it? Very nineties. Yeah, there's a song called "Power Is Taken," mm. um, which has got D. H. Pellegro from, who's a, the current drummer in the Dead Kennedys. Even um, more reason to despise it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, mm, he's a punk, isn't he? That's why. See, proof of his punkness. But it's just he also likes flirting with women two-thirds his age <laughs> but and i can't say that because i saw it with my own eyes <laughs> but yeah yeah i'm gonna keep that um, it. it's pro- probably why him and moby get on so well <laughs> yeah well, uh, exactly exactly uh, uh, did i tell uh, you that both, story they yeah 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 they both were now in natalie portman according to them so why would they lie about that <laughs> why would they lie why is Natalie Portman so ashamed of her relationship yeah, yeah. with loads of random old men? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, the first half of it, I was like, I don't hate this. Okay. I don't like it. Mm. I don't hate it. Then then Power Is Taken came on. And I mean, it's uh, it, it's been put into stark contrast and, con- and where it sits in the like, oh, fucking shut up. Mm, um, pantheon mm. of music because what we've got coming up on broken records later on is mm, mm, mm. something quite astonishing but just on its own power is taken is you know like we fight the fight the power take the power all that kind of it's um quite empty <clears throat> sloganeering uh, yeah. meaningless we who hate shit. we who hate oppression must fight against the oppressors power is not shared power is taken uh ad infinitum on a loop as you say um empty soulless bullshit which doesn't really mean anything whatsoever but it's sort of um sung and presented as if it's the most mind-blowing manifesto anyone's ever heard but instead it's soulless uninspired insipid ambiguous bullshit yeah and it was at that point where i was like you're not even really that good at the stuff that i can kind of that i don't really have a lot of I don't have there's not a lot of critical thinking I can do of that sort of 90s dance music stuff it's just something which was always there in the background Mm. in my mind Mm. and on the charts in the telly and and I kind of like some sort of Stockholm syndrome I've got to the point where I I like I quite like it now I don't (laughs) don't mind listening to it but 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 you're saying that's pure nostalgia for a time that you liked mm -hmm. and you're not saying Mm. it's any good it's just it's just there's that nostalgia thing that goes off in your brain which you like yeah yeah as opposed to like the Chemical Brothers album that came out last year, which we weren't, or I say we weren't, I wasn't mad on it, but I quite liked it. And I did think, you know, I can tell that this is good. Mm. You know, and I can tell that like parts of this is actually good and it doesn't sound totally dated all the way through. 
Whereas Moby, I mean, maybe is it is it a stylistic decision on his part to go, hey, remember those days? Because I know we've had a lot of this like recently. Like, yeah. is that a stylistic decision <clears throat> that somebody mm-hmm. has made, mm-hmm. or is he just not really capable of? <sighs> but I think it's when you get a song like Power Is Taken, where it's, you know, it sounds like how tired. Like to bring it into kind of a rock context, how tired does Prophets of Rage sound? compared to putting on like Rage Against the Machine or Evil Empire. Yeah. Like exactly. it sounds tight. And that's what this sounds like. It's if it's a stylistic decision, it's not a great one because it just sounds really fucking tired. Yeah. It sounds that song in particular, there's a couple of songs on here actually that sound like it, but this just sounds like Faithless. And I know Faithless are very yeah, loads, very yeah, really well liked. I, I never like I think they're sh- I, think I they're hate shite, Faithless, personally. yeah. I think they're fucking awful. I they're 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 one of my least favourite of all of those kind of bands. Um, and why why do I dislike Faithless more than the others? I, There's something po-faced about them. Yes, they are the dunce cap massive attack. <clears throat> yes. Oh, mate. I never mm. wanted to high-five you even more. And I literally can't. But yes, that is. Mm. And I don't really high-five people because I'm not American. But yes, absolutely. They are the dunces yeah. massive attack. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is just horridly insipid and boring really isn't it it's just even even the stuff that i like as I, as i've already said i mean i pr- appreciate what you're saying and that you found that stuff really difficult and i understand why um but we have discussed we have discussed records in the past which has had that that ambient piano-y kind of stuff um uh wings victory for the sullen you really like that cinematic orchestra record yeah, didn't you yeah i did actually you yeah, know yeah. There, there is a way to do that stuff really 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 well and to keep people's attention with that kind mm. of thing as those bands prove agnes obel to an extent not quite the same thing but you know um and moby just doesn't <laughs> well you know i was gonna say somebody like oliver arnold's does mm. i think even less it's even more minimalist what yes, he does. It is. But but there does appear to be, like you said before, progression and movement and a thought process put behind it. I listened to one of the songs is called Separation, and it's actually the shortest mm. of those last four. Mm. And I was just like, Are you even aware that the the tape's running? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just pissing around and it, it's like this is not a song. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. Even stuff yeah. like Oliver, even stuff like Oliver Arnold, which is so slight and so minimalist, mm. it's like it still feels like there's some level of it's, thought gone into it's it. It's going. So I think the key thing you said yeah. there is there's progression and it's going somewhere. That's the yeah. key thing. A lot of what Moby does, it, it isn't. There are very, very, very subtle progressions in the music, but they are ridiculously subtle. And um, a lot of the time it does just feel like he's copy and pasted the track in Pro Tools to extend it out to nine and a half minutes or whatever. But, you know, he's just copy and pasted a a sort of 45 second sample over and over again. Pianos sound nice, don't they? Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. And you know what? They do. I mean, I actually put down in my notes, I, I, I really like Separation in and of itself as a song i actually enjoy the song i think within the context of this record it, it's fucking insipid and rubbish but because i think because it's one of the the shortest of those tracks and and all that's in some ways i think it's the one of the most successful as well because at least you know at least it doesn't go on and on and on for nine and a half minutes but as i say that that's me being very very kind because 
there are so many bands who do that kind of thing 10 times better that it's a bit of a waste of time listening well, to this. I kind of deliberately picked of those last four. Okay. I picked the shortest one and I still was like, even the shortest one, it's still six and a half minutes long, which, you know, if you don't have anything, six and a half minutes long, six and a half minutes feels like a very, very long time. I don't disagree with you. I'm just, I think, well, actually in a way, I mean, I'm, I'm literally just about to, um, uh, go against what i just said but in a in a way within the context of the record because six and a half minutes seems short compared to some of these other songs it's like a blessed relief that it's <laughs> that it's like it's still no look we're arguing over semantics it's still shit it's still rubbish <laughs> like yeah. it, it doesn't you know it's rubbish you know well uh, there you go i'm done that's it i'm done yeah. moby yeah, yeah. um all visible objects is out now i mean i don't really know who Moby is for in 2020. That's a problem. I no, think. that's that's exactly it. Who is Moby for? I mean... I don't even think he knows who he's for. I mean, this is a, you know, it's a mixture of super ambient stuff that was too, you know, like the play era stuff, mm. but far more ambient and without any hooks at all, really. And the very, very early stuff done without any kind of without the energy that it used to have and mm. he wasn't even the best at doing it in the first place if so an, it if feels anyone, like an exhausting thing if anyone out there has a defense of moby um you know provided you don't do it in a way where you're like eh, your review was wrong and you're a prat meh. um i would be very interested to hear it we we once had um, someone write us a really fascinating little essay really uh in defense of sun once you know, which I think um, I there were many of the points that I didn't agree with, but it was written intelligently and interestingly. And I can't remember your name now, but, you know, we appreciated that a lot. And we ended up reading bits of it on the show. If anyone yeah, we did, if anyone does, because I would genuinely like to know from someone who does like Moby. Why do you like Moby? <laughs> I don't I don't get it at all. <laughs> like, why? Mm, no. He's not even the even the punk album's not very good. Yeah. I've just discovered yeah. that was the one thing I was like, oh, I'll be all right on Moby because he did have that one. Oh, it's rubbish. <laughs> um, okay, there you go. All Visible Objects is out right now um, to go along with all his other bloody albums. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to something much better. Uh, this is the seventh. Not sorry, I was about to say the seventeenth. That's Moby's got seven. This, yeah. It's actually the sixteenth studio album from Paradise Lost Obsidian. Yeah. Um, the Yorkshire Doommongers, uh, the follow-up to the critically acclaimed and much-loved Medusa, which came out in two th 2017, which I believe, Renfrew, you are a, a big old fan of. I like Medusa. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good record. Um, you, not as much? No, not really. I mean, so here's what I'm going to say. I really love Paradise Lost. I think they're, mm. I think they're great. And I've, I've loved them for a long time. I kind of got into them. I actually got into them on one second. So I even missed out on Draconian Times. But going back and getting Draconian Times and Icon and Gothic. Like, I don't even see how great Gothic was. I think this is the thing for me. Like, I'm, I've never been mad, like, loved the kind of super gruff, grunty, doomy Paradise Lost eras. Um, so the last couple of records that they've done, they haven't really done a lot for me, particularly, I have to be honest, because I do I do like that more um, kind of commercially viable thing that they do. I think they're really, really good at it. Um, in fact, arguably, I think they are the best band at doing that of the kind of the Peaceville bands and particularly the kind of European Doom bands. 
I think when you get into kind of more sort of doomy and gothy stuff, um, obviously uh, the, the specter of typo negative looms pretty large <clears throat> when you go across the Atlantic. But for, for what we have over here, I really think Paradise Lost are great. And I think they're great at doing um, doing big songs. I don't need them to be a, you know, a really kind of super extreme metal band yes you are talking about um bands along the lines of bands who have been uh, released a lot of um we've had a lot of bands of their nature releasing records this year my yeah. dying bride uh what did we do a couple catatonia. of weeks ago catatonia thank you um you threw opeth in there as well although i think that's a bit of an outlier but but uh, yeah um but i know what you mean uh other, another example there's definitely another example which i'm forgetting well, at the moment anathema would be the other obvious one yeah released an album for ages uh three years or that we've covered we yeah, we've covered not it. covered an anathema yeah. album no um also additionally apologies uh we did a trade-off on uh one second um if you're interested in hearing that it's on episode 76 um yep. Yeah, I, I, well, we covered it then, but I, I like Anathema. Uh, apologies, I like Paradise Lost. Um, I've heard, ah, uh, this is my either the fourth or fifth Paradise Lost record I've heard now. Um, yeah, I like what I've heard. One second I thought was an interesting, you know, that 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 was very divided. That album, well, actually, mm-hmm. it was quite, it was quite hated when it came out, wasn't it? yeah yeah i mean not as much as the two that kind of came after it yeah yeah but but as we covered but i thought um, yes it was seen as a a a very sort of significant shift in the discography i thought that was an interesting record especially as an experiment and certainly not as bad as a lot of people made out that it was um draconian times is obviously fantastic i've enjoyed the last two but i'm relatively I'm not ho hum about Paradise Lost. They're just a band that I like, but I've never gone, I've never dived fully in on Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. Mainly because it's daunting. Um, we are talking about a band who've just released their sixteenth record, or just yeah. released their sixteenth. You know, it's daunting to di- dive into the back catalogues of those bands, isn't it? Because it's like mm. fucking hell. Where do I start? Well, Draconian yeah. Times or Obsidian. This record. Do you agree with that, Steve? It's not a bad shout, mate. It's not a bad shout. And I'm delighted that um, I think what's interesting, I said this about Megadeth once and uh, they kind of fucked it afterwards. But um, but Megadeth had this thing where they would release a kind of proper classic brilliant record mm. and then release something a bit more... Um, uh, a bit more commercially viable straight after it which would hmm. sort of send them send them right down the shitter and yeah after sort of then they sort of had to come back um and it's interesting that you go oh you're a band who you know some bands they do when they've got 30 years under their belt they kind of repeat they kind of get i don't say they repeat the same tricks but they repeat different eras of their career yes kind of come come back again yes and what's been interesting with paradise lost is basically and i think where obsidian sits is probably could be thought of as the draconian times to the plague within and medusa being more of the you know self-titled gothic even shades of gods a little bit as well um and obsidian comes even as a more casual fan i was like oh blimey this is very draconian times isn't it you know yeah 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 yeah. sorry Mm. so i mean you know obviously they went they started off as a doomy death metal band and then turned into a 
kind of Depeche Mode synth pop band and then slowly having having alienated everyone mm-hmm. they kind of slowly 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 built their way back up to being heavier and heavier and heavier and now they're going back down it would seem they're going back down the other way mm-hmm. and for me personally as i've already um as i've already sort of said i'm absolutely delighted with that because when the needle hits the middle of those two things those two extremes that paradise lost do mm. that's the best paradise lost sound to me yeah totally uh, i i couldn't agree with you more um i think um i before this record came out i was seeing a lot of people say um oh it's the best record of their career yada 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 um and you know i don't want to keep going on about it but i have talked about how uh disappointed i am with the metal press generally for saying for saying <laughs> big outlandish things like that and then me mm. going really i mean there are going to be a couple more coming up as well i'm afraid to say but um but so basically it put my back up and i kind of went oh god is this going to be another one where i go come on guys you're being a bit ott um i think this is a genuine well uh, i'm basing it on four or five records but i've heard a lot of the ones that people consider some of the better ones i think yep um and yeah this may well be their best record i haven't quite decided i mean draconian times is probably the one that i would go to um i haven't quite decided yet if i prefer draconian times but it's a there's a bloody great shout for it being as good if not better i think i think it is the best certainly without any shadow of a doubt it's the best album they've done since in requiem in 2007 so you're looking at at least 13 years okay in reality it probably is the best record they've done since 1997 that being one second and for what they do i mean it probably is if you if you like paradise lost in the way that if you'd like that draconian times era of paradise lost this probably is their best album since, yeah. since draconian times yeah i think there's a there's a few cracking records in the middle of um of of that kind of that dip and that dip and dive faith divides us death unites us again is uh, a really good record okay. i said in requiem i think in requiem's massively underrated doesn't really get spoken about so much i think it's really really good um everything else after that the kind of tragic idol played within medusa i'm a bit like yeah that's that's okay Okay. um uh and then you've got like host and believe in nothing um symbol of life was one of those symbol of life is like the kind of um united abominations uh of their career where it's like oh that's a bit better do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like okay, that's, okay. that's a bit better but and people went oh it's really good because it was just a bit better but on re- retrospect you go i it's just a bit better but, are you, are you yes. saying paradise lost are to megadeth what corrosion of conformity are to metallica it sounds like you are in a weird way well <laughs> no 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 i'm just making this sort of com- like because obviously sonically they're not at all no yeah, but yeah. i think but i think all i'm trying to say is is I'm using Megadeth because I think they're the most apt one. I could probably, I could probably think of another band who sort of done it as well. Um, just not off the top of my head. I think Megadeth are the ones who because they've released so many albums. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I get what you're saying, and I totally agree. But but bands have these kind of dips, and they're like these return to forms, and then these like, oh, we're going to make something really commercial and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But certainly, if you if if Draconian Times is your rust in peace, mm-hmm. then I think Obsidian 
could very well be your end game very very nice <laughs> yeah mm. who else is going to compare this album to megadeth i wonder but i totally understand where you're coming from yeah um absolutely yeah. at the end of the day this is just uh, there's nothing like there's no big secret to this album is there really it's just great songs like the songs are just fucking great aren't they um the yeah. intro yeah, yeah. on the first song darker thoughts is a bit of an anomaly because uh, it's all like acoustical and somber and dark and so on i mean obviously that being somber and dark isn't an anomaly for paradise lost but you know it, it what i'm trying to say is this record has a lot of life to it a lot more life to it than you would expect from a um a band of paradise lost vintage i think is the politest way to say it um mm -hmm. but and 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 that acoustic sort of two minutes to begin it um it means when the song does kick in it's like holy hell you know again juxtapositions and things making uh more ambient sounds making heavier sounds sound heavier you know something yep. we talk about all the fucking time and the combination of that heaviness and the strings that come in I mean, it's just, it's majestic. And and I listened to a song like Darker Thoughts. Another thing that we've talked about a lot is metal bands growing, or, or not even metal bands, but heavy bands growing gracefully, growing old gracefully with age. We talk about yeah. Deftones all the time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Deftones are not doing what they did on Adrenaline um, anymore. And thank fuck they're not, because if Deftones try to do Adrenaline these days, it would sound fucking awful. Um, probably sound like mushroom head well exactly yes it probably would um but this like like this is how you do heavy music gracefully with age i think i think i think it's a brilliant example just this record as a whole but darker thoughts in in particular i think ghost is a great song and uh sums up the record as a whole really it's great song yeah big, great song big epic gloomy rock with a brilliant hook nick holmes Oh, I, I've always liked him as a vocalist anyway, but I've got a newfound respect for him as a vocalist here because mm. he mixes up cleans and uh, screams on this record in, in a manner which I think is borderline perfect, actually. It's a really nice mix of clean singing and um, uh, and screamed vocals. Um, it's almost to the point where it's like 50-50, isn't it? Like, practically. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I like about Paradise. You know, again, yeah. you know, he didn't go. There's not a lot of like growling on Draconian mm. times, and you know, and but there was enough sort of gruff vocals. And I think you know this has got a bit of growling on it, which is good. A bit of that kind of like proper gruff growl on it. Mm. There's also some bits on it. I mean, you mentioned um, uh, you mentioned ghosts, and I think the 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 melodic lines in the verses on Ghost a lot that like there's a lot of pete Steele in that i mean it still yes. sounds like nick holmes i think yes. but you know there's to mention typo i've never really made much of a connection between paradise lost and typo no, naked, but I. I think because of how um you know it's very gothic but it's also very heavy um i mean there's a there's bombast in it as well, which yes. I don't think you get. You get a lot of people don't really say that about Paradise Lost. It's normally oh, it's dour and it's doomy and it's dark and it's depressing. But Serenity is like a power metal song. There's Do you know what I mean? There's, like there's bombast, but it's never cheesy, mm, and that's the yeah. key thing. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you there, but I think that's I important mean, to say. That there's a like Greg Greg and Matt again. I think one one of the unsung 
guitar great guitarist from this country is mm-hmm. Gregor McIntosh from Paradise Lost, who is fuck it. I mean, if you've heard Fallon Fire, his um his more extreme band, like proper metal. And I think there was a little period where Paradise Lost were doing the thing about doom music, and I think we feel this a lot when we're doing kind of sludge bands and doom bands, is I often feel like because of the pace and because of how low everything sounds, you can't really, you can sort of rock back and forwards to it, but you can't get that. You know, when you get a proper meaty, chuggy, heavy metal riff, mm-hmm. you don't get that feeling enough, that kind of excitement from, mm-hmm. from that riff. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think Gregor McIntosh can do, he's very adept at being able to write fucking metal songs. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Paradise Lost sound like a traditional heavy metal band, but it's dour and it's doomy and it's got that kind of gothic element to it. Um, and he's he's fucking great. And some of the riffs, like I say, you know, um, the, the the song Serenity, it just thunders along like fucking Manowar or something. Do you know what I mean? It's like I've not really heard them go massively down that Euro metal, that kind of super judas priest inspired euro metal vibe before but it's really good like it kind of sounds like it wouldn't be good on paper but it's really fucking good it's yeah i totally agree it sounds it has so much more energy to it than i was expecting from a band on their 16th studio album i'm really glad you mentioned judas priest actually because um this didn't occur to me until you said that but in it's it's um, you can make comparisons with Firepower, can't you? You know, a yes, record, you can, yeah. a record that nobody expected Judas Priest to make at that point in their career. Um, I'm I'm not even a particularly big Judas Priest fan, to be totally honest. I know you are, but but like I was fairly like, oh okay, we'll review this Judas Priest record, and it's fucking great. Like that is a great record, you know, undeniably. And I think this is the same. It feels like, it kind of feels like even if you're not a Paradise Lost fan. I would have thought you'd be able to listen to this record and go, well, fair enough. It's clearly really good at what it's doing. Um, And it's really, it's, you know, we said it last week with Hayley Williams, a slightly different proposition to say the least, but it's just, it's really nice to be surprised by records and music, especially when you're jaded, cynical twats like us, you know, and and the, the idea of, of, reviewing the 16th album by uh, a, a doom metal band doom isn't even 10 tends to be my thing wasn't the most exciting prospect in the world so i was just so happy to put this on and be like fuck this is great it's really really good mm. um I, I can't think of there aren't many bands i can think of particularly in metal who release a 16th <laughs> studio out well, not many metal bands get to 16 albums to be fair but a 16th album of this quality i mean i can't remember mm. what's firepower is that their that must be like their 16th or 17th oh, fuck or 18th me. um be it's another... 18th album yeah okay i mean fair play fair play judas priest that that's fantastic but like it's you could it feels like you could probably count them on one hand you know the bands that get to to that many records and still sound this fired up it's so mm. rare like like really rare. when when we when we're talking um yeah 14th 15th 16th 17th records it's so rare so yeah it's great i love this record it's really good it is really good and you know what i always i always like paradise lost um and the last couple of records i couldn't sit there and go this is crap but it was not you know because they've done so much stuff um if they just made gothic over and over and over and over again 
I wouldn't, and they got 16 albums out, I wouldn't give a shit about Paradise Lost at all. Mm-hmm. We probably wouldn't even be reviewing this nope, record. We wouldn't. And when it comes to review it, I was like, well, do you know what? I've not been that keen on the last two when they've gone back to that era. But they're Paradise Lost and they've they've released so many albums that I think are really great that you were we f- kind of have to do it because... You were far less enthusiastic about reviewing it than I thought you would be considering I yeah. consider you a Paradise Lost fan. I have to, I have mm. to, I have to admit. Yeah, only because I wondered if they were going to just, if they'd gone, okay, well, that's what we're doing now and we're going to do that sort of forever. But I probably should have known better, really. Yeah, it's nice to be wrong because sometimes. They've never re- it's, it's nice to be yeah, wrong sometimes. They, yeah, They've never really sat in the same lane for too long. Mm. So it was silly of me to assume that they would continue. I guess it was just because they've been around for so long. Yeah. I just thought, oh yeah, well obviously like they're not gonna try anything particularly new now. And to say that this is new, I think maybe mm. you know, it's not anything new, but it's definitely different from the last few. It's definitely different from the from the last few, and it's just refined yeah, I, th- there's nothing groundbreaking about this record, but it's just done to an extremely high standard, um, which, you know, when it's this good is enough for me. Um and and i i just i like the fact that it's it's yeah it, it is different to the other stuff i mean it, it's it's like i said i i i really appreciate and like paradise lost fan but i uh, paradise lost but i'm not sure if i would have called myself a fan before this i'm getting to the point now where i'm like i like too many of their records to be not calling myself a fan and to not be doing that deep dive which i've obviously been putting mm. off for ages due to time you know um i i i and this is probably the record that's pushed me over the edge to do that so um yeah you can't say I, I, that's a pretty high recommendation isn't it really yeah um i i i would go in on it as like, the big I, the whole the, the whole discography sorry i was just about to say yeah. as as the bigger fan out of the two of us um if i asked you now where you'd rate this where would you put this one it's quite hard because we haven't had it that long yeah. um so uh, I'm going to get their entire discography up again. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to chip it onto your tombstone. Uh, I just, <laughs> just like <laughs> well, a rough it, idea. I definitely prefer it. Going through it right now, I definitely prefer it to Lost Paradise. I definitely prefer it to Gothic. I definitely prefer it to Shades of God. Icon's really good. Draconian Times. I can't say it's better than Draconian Fair. Times. One second, I have a lot of love for. So maybe one. Second. It's definitely better than Host. It's definitely better than Believe in Nothing. It's better than Symbol of Life. It's better than the the second, um, sorry, the second, the, the self-titled um, album. It's at least, I think it's as, in Requiem, I, I rate a lot. Faith Divides Us, I rate a lot as well. Tragic Idol, um, the, play, the, the Play Within a Medusa and Tragic Idol, I think it's definitely the best of all of them. It probably is better than Faith. So it, you're looking at, at the very least, you're looking at one, two, three, at, it's fifth at worst. Okay okay so so and i would say probably probably fourth so so in your i think it's better than in your estimation mm. people saying it's the best record of their career probably a little ott but it's still fucking great little ott little ott but i think it's definitely yeah it's definitely up there fair cool it's probably better than icon actually no more. Don't know. Anyway, yeah, oh. it's good. It's really good. It's really good. It's really good. Cool. Uh, I'm glad really, you like. Really I'm glad you so like it. So there you go. 
Yeah, it's great. Um, so there you go, Obsidian by Paradise Lost. Now, those are the albums that are out this week that are coming out today. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, the day it comes out. But we should, you know, as we explained at the start, we're going to kind of dip back. Um, and first of all, we're going to start with The Strokes, The New Abnormal, which came out on the 10th of April. Uh, the sixth studio album from the New York Garage Rockers, the follow-up to 2013's Come Down Machine. Never heard that. In fact, I have to say, actually, this is the first Strokes album I've listened to in that last decade. Very, um, uh, very prescient title, isn't it? So yeah, it only just occurred yeah, to me when you said it, when you said it there. But um, like, I mean, surely that was just like I'm sure it was titles fucking months ago. But considering that everyone's going on and on and on about the fucking new normal at the moment, uh, just mm. yeah, just what what a bizarre coincidence that was. It is a coincidence. Um, it's been. I mean, I called well it a coincidence, but fine. <clears throat> I called it a coinky right. dink, but that's, right. not, that's not, 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 not a word. Um, <laughs> it's been very well received. Yeah. This record. The Guardian said that it was their second masterpiece. They had uh, a first masterpiece, did they? <laughs> well, look, um, you know, uh, the Strokes obviously are a, a much, much loved band. Mm. Um, uh, this is it. Uh, their debut record was hyped to i'm trying to think of a, a time where i i can remember any record being as hyped as that one was as it came out and it still couldn't topple slipknot uh iowa no, off the top no, of the charts no, so um but you know uh it's a good record i think it's a good record that record the hype for it was absolutely unbelievable but there's no getting away from it. It is a good record. No? Um, it came out when I worked at Virgin Megastore. And oh, there I, we go. I was subjected to it a lot. And to be honest, look, I mean, they're, they're so far away from being for me. Um, it, they, they are often... It's something I've never fully understood is, you know, obviously they came out in the same wave as all those absolutely dreadful bands that we look back at and sneer at with derision, mm. like Razorlight, the Libertines, the Vines, Kasabian, the Vaccines, yada, yada, yada. And like, I can see that Last Night is a better song than say, Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet? But to be yeah. and you may disagree with this and that's fine to be t perfectly honest with you steve i don't think there's loads in it <laughs> i don't think last night is miles better than are you going to be my girl for example um the record as a whole i have no, well sorry i was about to say last night is risible far from the best the best song on that record i do agree um i i've weirdly i've listened to uh this is it this is it is this it was this is it what the fuck is it no actually i called it this is it didn't i but it's is, is, is this, this it, it? yeah i, mean, I was gonna, I was gonna to show say. even even sticking up for it that goes to show how much i really care <laughs> mm, yeah quite um I, I i have listened to it several times but it's one of those records that i've never listened to willingly um so so you know beca <laughs> because of yeah. living uh because of living at virgin megastore because of working at virgin megastore um so uh i it's i i i guess i've always sort of had it in for the strokes due to that experience 
Um, I am aware that people who actually sit down and listen to the band properly, and I'm, I am admitting that I'm not one of those people, um, do consider them a cut above those bands that I just named. I remember um, being absolutely shocked to open Kerrang! one week and see a 5K review of the follow-up um, to, uh, is this it? uh the uh, room on fire was it called 2003 um yeah that's right room on fire i got five k's and you know just to chuck my own feelings into it here i mean i i went like i say the hype was so massive they were meant to be playing the third stage at red they were announced the third stage at reading in it would have been 2001 i think so yeah just before the record came out they were announced the third stage at reading got bumped up to the second stage um, and then um, bumped up to sub-headline in the second stage, all before they had an album out. And then on the day, they were bumped to middle of the main stage at Reading because right. of the hype that was going on. Right. right? And now, I hadn't heard a note of this band at all, and I was with Dan Pugsley from Skindred, mm-hmm. who had seen them uh, playing at some other festival and in, in like Europe or something. And I was like, we've got to watch that band of Strokes because everyone's going to the most exciting rock and roll band and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to watch the Strokes. And he said to me, I remember him going, you can watch them, but I don't think you're going to like them. And I was like, oh. And then I watched them and I was really, really disappointed. Mm. Really disappointed. I was like, this is boring. If they're painted as the most exciting rock band, who the fuck was saying that? Like, that's absurd. People like Oasis. Yeah. (sighs) I, I mean... Fucking hell. It, lighting a turd on fire is more exciting than the strokes, isn't it? I think you're being kind of like, I think you're being a bit hard. I mean, I I think Is This It is good. I don't really remember having much uh, love for Room on Fire, admittedly. Right. First Impressions of Earth, I think, is actually quite good. I think it's probably, mm, uh, I, I feel as similarly positive to that as I do about, is this it? Saying that, I have not listened to Is This It for well over a decade. and I bet it's um, dated really badly. I mean, I've not listened to it since it came out, but I bet it's dated really badly. Well, there's songs looking at the track listing now. Take It or Leave It, I, the last track on it, I think is fucking brilliant. And I can still, I know I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hard to Explain is good. Um, I think Soma is a really good song as well. Mm-hmm. The Modern Age is good. Um, yeah, there's some good songs, you know. There's some. I was never massively, massively, massively huge on the Strokes, and certainly even within that garage rock thing, I mean, they were getting their name was getting chucked around with the White Stripes. I think the White Stripes were far, far, far superior to them in in every respect. Um, totally agreed. Certainly, certainly live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just they were one of those bands that I thought. They're kind of quite cool. They've got some quite cool songs. When the hype went away, um, I felt a little bit more positively towards them because I was like, okay, well, now I feel like a lot of people really like this band, but that's, and that's, that's fine because they're, they're pretty good, but they're not the, they're not ever going to get remembered as the best band ever. And I think history has kind of proven me right because now I don't really think anyone yeah. would tell you that the Strokes are, the, are their favourite band. No. You know what I mean? No. Very few people. I mean, mm. if you are that person, feel free to get in touch. But uh, uh. yeah, um, but this is an interesting one, though, uh, Renfrey, because I mean, 
we expected, I think people expected Pearl Jam to make a kind of post-punk album after the um, the the March of the Clairvoyance was released. Dance, and yeah, dance, dance, sorry, dance of Clairvoyance, okay. and um, that was just that one song, mm. and it wasn't really you know a whole album of that stuff. No, absolutely not. But the Strokes basically have done that, haven't they? Um, yes. Yes, they they kind of have. Yes, uh, mm. I can see what you mean. I didn't really make that connection, but yes, they they this there's a lot of post punk in this record. Absolutely. Um, Hold it there. I am because Bonjour's done a poo. Oh, I, th- I you did Again, you did it you did it. Like yes, sorry, that's that's fine. Why? Why? Why are you doing it now? Unbelievable. Well, she is, isn't she? She's unbelievable. Many little rats. Man, she came in, looked at me, saw that I had my headphones on, I was holding the microphone, <laughs> just stared me in the face, <laughs> stared me in the face, and then went and just walked into the thing. And I just heard her go, <laughs> and the next thing I was like, oh, <laughs> she smells. Um, sorry she about does, that. does. She does do some terrific shit. <laughs> no. It's like... It's like she's had a fucking massive Donna kebab and 15 fucking Jaeger bombs. <laughs> like, all you eat is biscuits. Maybe she's been at your um, cheesy mini cheddars. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. That's, that's possible. Um, where were we? I mean, uh, uh, oh, I don't know. I, I had nothing to say because, you know, the strokes okay. are boring, aren't they? Um, <laughs> so I think that's where we were. <laughs> Sorry. So, oh fuck it well shall i just say what i think and then you can tell me why i'm wrong because i would like to know why i'm wrong about this band because okay, i don't on. get mm. it i don't hate this album at all i don't hate it but i am very indifferent to it which okay. is debatably worse um i read that they hired radiohead producer nigel godridge to produce mm. their second album room on fire and then they fired him, didn't mean to do that, but fired him because they felt the work that they did together was soulless, right? I think there's a bitter irony in that because when I listen to the strokes, all I hear is soulless, sort of louche, cooler than thou attitude, which screams, I don't have to try because I'm better than everyone else. Whereas in reality, you're just about scraping average. That's what yeah, I hear. Not- they're not the best band around and i mean the fact that i haven't bothered listening to the last couple of records that they've done Mm. should probably tell you that i'm not going to go into bat for the strokes too hard Mm. um i do think room on fire i remember listening to it and being like uh i'm done here Mm. um uh, but then um the one that came after that i've already forgotten what it's called like the thing from earth (laughs) whatever it's called it's probably called um this it is isn't it uh, no, I don't think it is called that. Um, oh my God. First Impressions of Earth. It, it was. Yeah. That. Was it is? Yeah. Um, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was much better. Um, right. But then, you know, I've not bothered with the last couple because, you know, yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm not that fussed. Yeah. So I did think it was worth reviewing this just to see where they oh, were. Yeah. And I'd heard yeah. this and I'd heard the singles and I was like, ah, you know, like I say, a post-punk record. And that's much more interesting to me than, um, what they were that kind of slacker new york thing but then as well you know there's a lot of sort of talking heads aping uh mm-hmm. going on, on this record mm-hmm. um there's a sort of proper synth 
drum bit that really sets you up for it and kind of knows lets you know that you're not going to be doing you're not going to be getting that kind of garage rock yep. tinny drum part which i think is cool um there's brooklyn um brooklyn bridge to chorus is well talking heads yes um yes it is and it's kind it's kind of shitty sounding it's kind of shitty and cheap sounding yes um yes it is <laughs> and but because the strokes are referencing a lot of 80s bands mm. i think it actually works because it kind of sounds like video killed the radio star by by buggles yeah, yeah. more than it's more than it sounds like um talking heads yeah i can sort of see the intention to make a talking head song but it sounds like a sort of shitty 80s pop song. No, but I, I can understand why that would be a choice rather than when, you know, yeah, I I, I that I, I imagine that is a choice rather than just them being shit, if that, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, um, I think there's a song called Bad Decisions, which is quite funny because even it's even credited to Billy Idol. Billy Idol is gets a writing credit on it. Um, right. Because his song Dance With Myself i mean once you hear it you'll you, you won't be able to unhear it and yeah. um because i was like god that really sounds like dancing myself by billy idol and then i saw that he had a writing credit on it right. uh even though it's not the same lyrics it's just the tune is so clearly billy idol which uh you kind of hear that and you just want to listen to billy idol bands um, usually, bands usually do that when they're so afraid that they're going to get sued that they'll just go oh let's just put a writing credit on it just to make sure that it doesn't that we mm. don't get sued. but i quite <laughs> like the song i think there's some all right stuff on it like eternal summer's great it's got a lovely guitar tone lovely kind of 80s synth mm-hmm. I do actually really like that song i mean overall speaking over kind of nine tracks in 45 minutes uh and, and eternal summer is the longest song on it six minutes and 15 seconds mm-hmm. which you know and it's the best song on the record i think i think um, i'd agree oh, with you with that yeah assessment. Ode to the Mets, the last song, is a bit of... You could probably could have got rid of that. It's really weird. Oh, um, good. Sort of good. Okay. Uh, apologies to go into this again. But Ode to the Mets, what the fuck? <laughs> so it begins with a pulsing kind of electronic beat before a twinkly guitar part comes in over the top, which seems to completely lag behind that electronic pulse. And it jars terribly, Right. After thirty or seconds or so, uh, after thirty seconds or so, that electronic pulse just fades away, and I was like, "God, that's a really interesting move for an intro." Like, surely, surely you would only do that if that electronic pulse comes back into the song in some way, or it or it comes, you know, the the the, the only reason, surely, why you would um, hijack your intro with that utter crap. Is is so that it would be returned somewhere later down the line, and it doesn't. I mean, it, it never mm. does. And and to me, it just seems incredibly amateurish. And I'm kind of a stunned that a band of this caliber would do something like that and go, "Yeah, that's okay." And you know, maybe the view, maybe the band view that as like experimental or avant garde, but it's not. It's just shit. Like I, I like you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. That that is not representative of the record at, uh, overall at all. It, it, it is by no. far the worst song on the record, and but it's yeah, just it's been that off. It's just it's just it was such a bizarre kind of like eh at the end of the record. I I don't. It, but when bands do stuff like that, it immediately makes me go, well, I don't trust your instincts and I don't trust your um, decisions at all. And it just sort of makes me go, I don't know why. 
I was going to say, I don't know why you're alive. <laughs> but that seems OTT. I just don't, I just don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you know? Um, and, and if it's to baffle me, then well, well done. Casablanca's whatever your fucking name is, you've done it, but it's just a waste of time, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I am. I'm actually sounding way, way harsher than I mean to with this record because, like I say, I don't dislike it. I'm just totally indifferent to it. Um, I do dislike the Strokes, um, but I dislike the Strokes because because of my experiences with them at Virgin Megastore. And I was kind of, as I say, subjected to their record against my will. I mean, I suppose I was paid four pound ten an hour for the privilege um but you know um that that was that was my wage at the time um but yeah um so 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 i am coming from a place here which maybe isn't the most professional or fair uh but that is my experience with the strokes so um yes yeah, fine isn't it it's all right i i like the first i think the first half of it up to eternal summer i was like this is really good definitely good definitely better than the second half where it falls off a cliff really it really yeah falls off i a don't cliff. think the second half is very good but i actually like i prefer the stroke sounding like a again this is absolutely my preference of what i like to listen to i would rather have the stroke sounding like a sort of synthy 80s pop band than i would have them sounding like a kind of well it, not that's just the strokes anybody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i would rather have that than you trying to be like some cool um you know hip swinging like slacker hipster fucking mm. rock and roll band but standing stock still and just singing about like i've got a girlfriend like fuck off like, uh, uh, and and actually the strokes aren't are, are far from the worst batch of those bands oh yeah but, I, yeah even i'll admit that yeah far from the worst but but they they sound much more exciting and interesting to me kind of taking some you know there are some weird decisions on this record. There are some very, like as you mentioned, there are some very odd decisions on this record. There's also some quite different, uh, but there's, but you know, there's enough different standing stuff for me to go. Oh, there are the strokes. Okay, cool, and it's catchy enough. You know, like this doesn't need to be. You know, this is not ever going to be coming near my end album end of the year list and i'm not sure if i'll listen to it and i probably won't ever listen to it in full ever again but i certainly will take three or four songs from it and i would put them on a playlist or Mm. i would kind of come back to and go oh you know i quite fancy if i ever felt like listening to the strokes which i've just admitted their classic album i've not listened to for over a decade so (laughs) probably unlikely that i will do that but i was at least you know pleasantly surprised with how i felt about this record i think it's 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 pretty good in the main it's it's pretty good to echo some of those sentiments i will say that i'm pleasant like this this could have been um is this it part six this is essex Mm. album isn't it um you know which would have been truly risible and to give them credit it's not It, it 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 isn't a carbon copy of you know the most famous thing they ever did or anything like that um they clearly have made um some progressions and so on and so forth and have done things that are a little bit different yada 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 which is always stuff that we champion on this um podcast um i just don't really like the strokes i suppose but then you know to come away from this album and to say i don't hate it i'm just indifferent to it is probably a bit of a win considering my attitude it's a win for them it. yeah they've done yeah. it the <laughs> yeah. strokes um yeah, exactly. all right okay well that's the new abnormal by the strokes and uh, as i said it's been out for a couple of weeks now so 
that's what we think. Um, let's move on to Mark Lanigan, Straight Songs of Sorrow. This came out last week. It is Mark Lanigan's 12th su- solo studio album, following on from the surprising and excellent Somebody's Knocking from last year, at the end of last year, in fact. There's um, only so eight months between that record and this mad. one. Yeah, yeah. You really mm. like Somebody's Knocking. I was less keen, although, although. I, I love the fact that we're talking about an artist who's still doing di- like he did something on somebody's knocking that he hadn't done before, you know, years, decades into his career and fair play with Mark Lanigan. And between us, he's one of our fo- favorite vocalists of all time, isn't he? I mean, basically, the conversation we just had uh, was what the conversation with somebody's knocking was really that you don't really like sort of 80s post punk. And yes. I love it. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's what it was. Um, So. We've covered Mark Lanigan so much. We have. The fact that we haven't even been a podcast for two years. Um, He's got to be the the artist we've featured the most so far. I mean, this is actually the third new album of his that that we've reviewed to go alongside two Riot Ears reviews, one on Bubblegum uh, and one on Sweet Oblivion by the Screaming Trees. Mm. So those are... those albums really if you were to strip away if you were to take the vocal tracks away from those albums they would all pretty much have nothing at all in common completely agreed musically yeah yet as soon as you put the vocal tracks back on you go it can only be mark lanigan absolutely so if you're wondering why we keep going on about this guy that's why we keep going on about this guy just fucking Um, listen to him (laughs) he's fucking amazing yeah This is an album of autobiographical songs relating to his recent book, Sing Backwards and Weep. Yeah. Inspired Liam Gallagher to get back on Twitter, as we discussed last week. Yeah, I'm and have a de- little spat with him. Desperate to read that book. There's also been things that have come out yeah. since um, that his uh, former bandmates in Screaming Trees are not very happy about his memoir really? at all. Oh, no. I mean, if we, if we were holding out for a Screaming Trees reunion, uh, that's been knocked back several years, I think, going from the reaction to the, the Van Connor uh brothers to um his memoir yeah they are not happy i can't wait to read that book uh because lanigan is um he's not afraid to tell it how how it is he's got an amazing way with words and i imagine it will be uh, it's it's received uh, incredible plaudits across the board i imagine it will be an absolutely essential rock memoir that'll go to the top mm, of the yeah. best best rock memoirs of all time i'm guessing but yeah looking forward to it um i would definitely definitely want to read that yeah i mean yeah. because he's just done so much stuff and yeah. again i mean you won't be surprised to hear that this is a although a little bit too long i mean it's mm-hmm. 15 tracks mm-hmm. and i think it is a little bit long mm-hmm. but yep. when this record is good it's fucking amazing i think yeah i agree i've um i i i I personally much prefer this to somebody's knocking. Obviously somebody's knocking is 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 doing something which isn't generally my cup of tea and this is far more in my wheelhouse. So I suppose that's not a massive mm-hmm. surprise. Um what what might be a surprise to hear is I was looking back over his uh, discography and I was going, "Right, where do I rate this?" Um when I first heard this album, I was like, "Oh, it's a really interesting experimental record." The main thing I took away from it is it is very good, but yes, it is too long. 15 tracks, 60 minutes and 19 seconds. It is a tad too long. I do still feel that a little bit, but after the sort of third, fourth, fifth, sixth listen, um, I think this is easily the best album he's done since Bubblegum. 
Ooh. it might uh, with a few more listens it might even become my favorite mark lanigan solo album despite its flaws um just because i think it's so dark so experimental and yet so interesting a few of the really more avant-garde experimental tracks the first couple of times i listened to them i was like i'm not 100 percent sure that works but actually the more i listen to them i go no 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 they do work i just needed to mm. adjust to them um a song like internal hourglass discussion i think the first time i listened to it i would have been like oh no you, you probably shouldn't have put that song on the record um but now it's got this I've listened to it a bit more and I think it's got this, it evokes this awesome kid, a amnesiac era radiohead vibe that I really, really like. And now I'm just kind of like, yeah, but I don't really want that out. That song, not on the album. Um, Similar to bubblegum. I think we both said, cause I sort of said, Oh, bubblegum is a great record, but it's a bit too long, isn't it? And then you turn around to me and you said, well, what songs would you take off? And I sort of struggled a bit. I mean, I came up with a couple, but it is difficult. I think this is exactly the same. It is I, I. It is too long, but at the same time, I don't know what I'd want to take off, really, um, because it's yeah. so fucking good, this record. I don't know what I... I mean, yeah, I don't... Again, I don't know what I'd take off. It just... I think it's... It can be fucking bleak, this record. Oh, I yeah. think that's why it feels long. It's because, I mean... Yeah. If I had a razor, I would cut you everywhere. He sings on ketamine. Mm. Um, obviously, there's quite a lot of drug references uh, on the record. Uh, you know, it, it, it can be... It's not hard to get through in the same way as, you know, some of the more extreme records that we've spoken about mm. or some of the more sort of, you know, a very sort of open, bleeding heart, mm. difficult record. Mm. I mean, obviously, Caligula would be the mm-hmm. the one that we've spoken about, as would The Drift by Scott Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not quite in those in the territory of something like that, but it's a dark, even, even if you know, you're, I mean, there's, there's catchy stuff on it. And there's like, I'm, I'm personally quite glad that he, he hasn't completely ditched the kind of synthy fatter sounding, um, eighties post punky synthy stuff. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 sorry, just to interject that I'm really, whilst I wasn't a massive fan of somebody's knocking, I'm really pleased it exists because I can see the direct influence it's had on this album. And I think that synth stuff that he uses on this record, I think it's more subtle on this album, but I'm not sure if he would have had the ability to do that without having done somebody's knocking. So I'm now really pleased that somebody's knocking exists because it's resulted in yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, there's a song Ballad of a Dying Rover, which has mm. got these kind of electro throbs all over it, which I think works really, really well. Um, there's some sort of Mellotron stuff in um, Church Bell's Ghost, which has got a bit of synth in the background and, and it's just an unbelievably moving song. Mm-hmm. Um, the Game of Love is amazing. It's funny, actually, because Game of Love, maybe it's just because I'd only just been listening to it, but after when one of the songs that we spoke about, and you hadn't heard it, but I would... I'm going to mention it now was um, Yes by McCalmont and Butler, mm. which was a big inspiration for Everything Must Go. And the game of love has got a, uh, almost a kind of, um, it's like a depressed version of that song. Oh, right. And, uh, and, and I think it's really great. But for me, I mean, the song Skeleton Key is my favorite on this uh, record. 100%. Yep. Fucking unbelievable. And it's the longest song on the record. It is. Which yep. uh, again, us going, oh you know we need to cut this down and chop it down and yet 
the best song on the record is the seven minute long one on paper <laughs> skeleton on, yeah. on paper skeleton key shouldn't work because not only mm. is it the longest song it's just over seven minutes long um it's well the structure is verse 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 more or less yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um i mean i'm being slightly facetious there but but it more or less is um it um doesn't it, it, it's it does change um but it's really subtle um uh shifts in the instrumentation building and building and building over seven minutes but they are very subtle and very 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 you almost don't notice it at first um and yes on paper that song should not work and we have uh had a go at bands and artists in the past for doing things like that i mean we're going to with richard ashcroft in a bit trust me um however the reason it works is because mark lanagan is such a phenomenal commanding uh incredible presence that you're just mesmerized by his voice by his performance by his lyrics it, yeah. it, 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 for me it doesn't get boring um probably could go on for 10 minutes and i'd be okay with it that song i just think it, it's testament to his ability um that that song doesn't get boring because in 99.9 percent .9 of other vocalists hands that song would be too long too repetitive too dull but mark lanagan is just one of a kind so it's not well it's funny because it's called Skeleton Key. Yes. But it reminded me so much of Skeleton Tree. Yes. Uh, I noticed by that as well. Nick Cave. And I was like, and I was like, this is surely not a coincidence. This yes. has to be a maybe, I mean, I don't know, but it's, if it is a coincidence, it's a lovely coincidence because that as well is a kind of turmoil induced, heartbreaking, difficult record. Yeah. And, and skeleton key it doesn't need to do, like like you say mark lanagan he doesn't even really need to try mm -hmm. to to mm -hmm. to just break your heart on that it's, do you know what i mean it's, it's so it's, effortless yeah uh, it, it's incredible mm -hmm. and like you say that the whole thing it does just feel like we'll we'll do this until it and we'll do it until we feel like we've completed it yes and yes and there's no compromise of like, well, you know, it's it's quite long. Not nothing's really kind of obviously changing. Mm -hmm. It's not really, you know, we don't really have a hook or a chorus. We don't really have much in the way of like obvious changes to the song. But it's just it's it's hypnotic and fascinating and mesmerizing and you know heartbreaking. It's brilliant. I mean, yeah, this is. We we probably shouldn't really talk about Mark Lanigan for at least a couple of years because <laughs> it's the same fucking thing every time, isn't it? How, how good he is. Well, but 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 that's yes, it's it's the same thing coming from us every time. But the the reason why we love Mark Lanigan so much is because it's never the same thing coming from him every time. Yeah. I mean, you already said that at the top of the review, but like, you know, the the first song I wouldn't want to say begins things in an extraordinarily unorthodox manner. Uh, it's got a, a militaristic drum pattern happening, um, sort of 8-bit computerized sound effects happening and, and an ominous synth sound all colliding together and all kind of sounding like three totally different songs all vying for space for one another. And again, on paper, it sounds like it's a calamitous fuck up. 
But Lanigan's voice then comes in and 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 becomes the centre of this song and pulls all those disparate elements together. And somehow it works. It's miraculous. It, I don't know how it works, but weirdly it just does. It's the sort of thing that Trent Reznor would do in his most avant-garde work, I think. Yeah. Um, it's a really weird, a really weird opener. And then to weird, go from that... Bizarre opener. And then to go from that to, to Apple, Apple from, from a, a Tree, tree which is less than two minutes long and, and, and a, is yeah, pretty a, jaunty. Like, do you know a, what I mean? It's Well, I, don't, I, I wouldn't go as far as jaunty, but at a total abrupt turn um, from avant-garde to relatively straightforward, I would say, rather than jaunty. Yeah. Um, a fast-plucked acoustic guitar plucks away this like really lovely, sweet melody whilst Lanigan croons over the top for two minutes. And, you know, two songs in, eight minutes into the album, we've already had two songs which completely juxtapose one another and yet are utterly brilliant. And the record just carries on in that manner in that you don't know what you're going to get next, but you can probably ascertain that it's going to be excellent because it's mark lanigan there are songs on here which i aren't quite up to the standards of all of them and yeah as we said it is a bit too long and yada 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 but overall uh, it may well end up being my favorite mark lanigan record i think before this i would have said whiskey for the holy ghost um but every time i play it it goes significantly up in my estimations and and the first time i heard it it was just kind of like oh it's another mark lanigan record so it's good but you know ho-hum but now i think it's i i love it i love it it's so good yes it's excellent uh very excellent and we'll probably be doing this again the next time he releases another album yeah Uh, six months time yeah (laughs) so straight songs of sorrow when mark lanigan is out has been out for a week or so now so go and have a little listen to that sorry just Let's just on. just one more point of that just because i'm aware there'll be a lot of people who haven't listened to martin lanigan is this a good place to start because i i can't decide if it is or not um uh, i think it's quite an un- it's, it's quite long yeah like so and it's quite an undertaking it's yeah. really worth your time as is all of his material yeah. but it's it's quite an undertaking i think so so you'd probably still go to bubble I gum. I don't know. Probably still yeah, bubblegum. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think you get a more in you get a more instant hit from bubblegum. I think that's probably true. But bubblegum, gutter twins, um sweet oblivion by screaming trees or dust by screaming trees. Yeah. Um, you know. Just thought just just thought just thought that was worth saying, just because his discography is so broad, it's difficult to know where yeah. to start with Martin Lanigan, but yeah. All right. So uh therapy, greatest hits open brackets the abbey road sessions is that what it's called in great sense? yeah it is the abbey road yeah. session i should yeah. say um so this was released on my birthday the same day as code orange the 13th of march hence why it might have got a little bit lost but <laughs> um basically what we've got here is a live studio recording of all of therapy's top 40 hits from 1992 to 1998 um and well well that sounds good right that, well that's the other thing in 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 essence this is a greatest hits record which we would never normally cover but because mm. and actually as far as i can tell it's actually the third best of release of uh, uh, uh the therapy have released after yeah. so much for the 10-year plan and stories the single collection so there yep. is there is you know as if greatest hits collections are really needed in the first place really um especially in these days of spotify yada 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 um what is the point of this i suppose is is 
uh, the question to ask and why are we covering it? And, and it is just down to th- these are actually re-recorded versions of those songs. So we thought we'd throw mm. it in as a curio and we both fucking love therapy, don't we? So, you know. Hey. Yeah. Um, you know, I just obviously it's good to s- I've seen therapy live poor, every pretty much most most at least every other tour they've done mm. since about 1998. You know, I, I go and see therapy a lot and i've always thought god they sound fucking great live like every time no matter who's playing with them no matter who how many other extra musicians that get up on stage with them they do just still sound and those songs just sound great those songs just fucking kill and this is a really good um sort of document of therapy sounding how they sound today but with you know that those classic, those classic, how they sound. This is how they, this is how they sound today. This is what those songs do sound like today, and I think that is interesting at the very, very least. It's a live, it's a live album. Great. It's a live album in a studio, yeah. <laughs> which is quite rare, um, especially mm. these days. Sounding like an old cunt there, but it is. You know, <laughs> it, it like it doesn't doesn't happen very often. Um, I mean, you already know how I feel about this because we basically discussed it over the phone. But I'm going to confess here that when I heard that the songs were being re-recorded, I think I made an assumption that the songs were going to be reworked and we were going to get alternative versions of these songs, reinterpretations of some kind. Um, Now, to give the band credit and all that, there's nowhere in the blurb does it actually say that they're reinterpretations or different versions. I think I just assumed if you're going to go to the trouble of re-recording your songs, why would you not do that? And I will be honest. Diane's a bit different. Diane's a bit. It? bit. <laughs> I, the, the, there are differences, but they're relatively subtle. And um, I think if I'm totally honest, certainly my initial listen, whilst the material on this record is obviously brilliant. Let's not piss about. It's obviously fantastic. And if you've never heard these songs, holy shit, you should listen to this. Well, listen to this. Oh, yeah. Or Trouble Gum, or Infernal Love, or fucking, you know, there's loads of places you can go with therapy. They're fucking amazing. Um, but I was somewhat disappointed that they are, they, they're not the same as the, as the um, uh, studio versions because you know a lot of these songs the, the the old the newest song on here is from 1998 and so they have been um they've molded those songs have molded and changed over the years and and it's sort of interesting to hear it's interesting to hear it but it's hardly essential is it if you're a massive massive therapy fan no i don't think it is but i think if you're a massive massive therapy fan you probably would like a therapy live album that features five you in graham hopkins and martin mccarrick all turning up to do their parts and their songs and particularly i mean how especially having just kind of spent six hours talking about him the other day james dean bradfield coming in mm. on die laughing doing the solo uh, and it just and it really sounds like james dean bradfield's guitar as well and it, yeah. it's, it, it's fucking lovely like what a moment cool. but yes you're yeah. You're yep. right. You're right. You know, ultimately, these are this is just a live collection of a bunch of fucking great songs, which have, have changed a bit, but just still sound really energetic and urgent and fucking wicked. And I think, yeah, you know, obviously, if you haven't heard therapy. Yeah. If you haven't what, ever heard what the therapy. Fuck, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah, really yeah. do need to go and 
get in on that band very, very, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, I would yeah. almost say you might want to stop listening to us right now <laughs> and go and listen to yeah. Trouble Gum. Yeah. Um, but Unfor- you know, I, I know it's the big one and I know people go on about it all the time. I mean, Trouble Gum is the place to start, isn't it? Because it's just so Yeah, instant. it is. It's yeah, so instant. It's, it's fucking brilliant. And there's plenty of other things that you can go and listen to afterwards. I mean, there's mm. too many to even reel off here, really. But well, like the, the, their last record, Cleave, is not a bad start. Yeah, as well. That's a great you record. know, that's a brilliant, brilliant album. You know, I mean, Disquiet is a great record. Disquiet, that's yeah. a couple of years ago. I mean, Therapy you know, are got... a band that we adore and we go on about all the time because they've maintained this career and they've maintained a very strong standard throughout. They very rarely. Do you think they've ever released a bad album? I don't think they have. No, they've released records which I'm kind of, you know, less enthusiastic about. But the, but I I don't think I could point to any of their records and go, well, that's a bad record you know um they're they're one of these bands that are just consistently great um i I don't know i just i just sort of ever so slightly question the point of this i suppose um therapy do have a live album um already uh, which has a lot of this material on it already so i'm kind of like well that does sort of exist it doesn't have the exact same personnel i know some therapy fans would be super um keen to have recorded versions of these songs with neil cooper on drums which none of the originals did and certainly Mm -hmm. he brings some things to it that um for goodness sake who's the original drummer five you in thank you uh, didn't you know Uh, yeah but uh, but yeah i don't know I, i i think I don't know if it's fair fair for me to say this, but because I thought this was going to be something else and it wasn't that thing, I suppose I was ultimately disappointed. However, having said that, Steve, I'm still going to buy this on CD because if you buy it on CD, there's a second disc, um, which is um, a live bootleg uh, where they've taken one song from every single one of their albums. And not only have they taken one song, but they've taken um, re- like proper album tracks like filler yeah. not, not filler material that was the wrong word apologies they say they say <laughs> no 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 they've, they've taken songs that you don't often hear and so i'm going to want to buy it for that but it's fair to say yeah. that i'm going to be playing disc two a lot more than disc one and i would well, one more thing i do apologize one more thing i know i've been going on a lot but it's also if i were putting a best of therapy together this is not the track list I would have because because they've done it as in, well, let's just re-record our top 40 hits. Doesn't mean those are the best songs they've done, is does it? Like there's a lot no. there's a lot missing here. If if yeah, if you were well, to call this a definitive best of collection, there's so much missing. The actual the bootleg I'm looking at the the 15 songs that they picked for the disc two bootleg and it's fucking really good. Oh, it's giving like, me such a boner. Big I'm, cave in, yeah. brain sore. Yeah. It's stuff that you don't tend to hear all that often, which is why I'm excited to hear that. Nobody um, here but us. It's great as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Really good. But yeah, so if you're going to do it, buy it on CD and get the, the bonus disc for sure. But yeah, I mean, obviously it kind of goes out saying this is really good. Yeah, of course. But yeah. Is. I mean, I know what you mean. Greatest hits. Greatest hits are greatest hits. And if you're a fan of the band, they're pointless. If it's something that you want to get into a way of getting into the band, they could be great. Um, if there's someone out there who's never listened to therapy before and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to try that. Then, you then know, listen to me. trouble gum. That, that's my point. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> that, well, listen to maybe, but I think if you listen to this, you would go fucking out. I can't wait to listen to trouble gum. Oh, sure, 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 sure. So there you go. Or you could anyway, go out the uh, middle man and listen to trouble gum. <laughs> but, okay. Well, <laughs> We're not reviewing Trouble Game. No, I know, um, I know, I know. I just, it just, it just, it just, 
points out what what is the point of this. I think if they had gone in and done alternate versions of these songs, we'd be talking about a much more interesting record. Don't don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we would. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, there it is. Therapy's greatest hits. It's out now. Just listen to fucking therapy. For don't Christ like sake. it. You don't um, like it when I'm nasty to therapy. I'm not not nasty to therapy. I, you're not I, being I, nasty no, to therapy. No, it's a great record. No, you're bloody. Just... What you're doing is you're reviewing Futurology three times again. <laughs> <laughs> that is a joke Which... that no one's going to understand. Uh, no, it's but they will yet. do see. <laughs> all right, let's get to our last record um, of the review section. This comes from Bear. The album is called Propaganda. It's the fourth album from the Belgian tech metal band. The follow up to 2017-3. This came out last week. Um, also, what happened last week was we raved about the Hirsch effect um, mm. during the the uh, the review of the Hirsch effect whilst we were raving. We also raved about Destrage. We raved and raved. And last year, we raved about Carbom, um, uh, who are another band who are fucking brilliant. Um, but in the main, I, I those should probably feel say like things that... This time last week, I hadn't listened to Are You Kidding Me? No. I've now listened to it, yeah. Steve. Oh, go on. Mm. It's very, very, very good. Very, very good record. Yeah, really I've only good, heard it, it once and, and <laughs> it's you a bonkers. I need a few listens to it. Um, I love the way that... Uh, oh, sorry, I am going to briefly review. Are you kidding me? Uh, but I, uh, it brings in so many different elements that it's just like, what the fuck are they going to do next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's very good. Very good record. Yeah, really, really good. Um, but in the main, we're normally fairly kind of harsh on tech metal. Yeah. For the main... Because in the main, it's very formulaic and does the same thing over and over again. Mm. And the Hirsch effects, mm. Destrage, uh, oh shit, Car Bomb. Car Bomb are three examples of bands who don't do that. And so are Bear. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing with Tech Metal, right? Before we get into Bear, um, I like the sound of it, but I always want a little more than I typically get from it. Mm. Um, now, I, I, I actually reviewed Bear on their second album. Um, pneumonian and i saw them at tech fest and i thought they were good i was like this is a band with a bit of potential they're not just doing the same judder 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 thing all the time <laughs> but they had a hell of a lot of hype around them at that time it felt like they had a lot of lot of people telling me oh my god this band are incredible they're the best band around and you know when someone tells you that it means you just have higher standards for them as you go into them. Yes. So people have been messaging me going, oh, you need to hear Bear, you need to hear Bear, you need to hear Bear, right? And I was like, okay. And then I saw them and I was like, yeah, they're good. And the album's good. Um, and sometimes with Code Orange, for example, it's fine to have your, your, you know, your expectations raised to absurd levels. And sometimes, knocked loose, it isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, back then, I thought, this is good, but is it that good? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Is it really that good? Is it really worth you getting super duper excited about it? And the the thing <laughs> that is, um, I mean, not just kind of take out a leaf out of your book and moan at, you know, the press or whatever, but <laughs> if you're going to big a band like that up, you kind of need to sort of follow through with it, really. Mm. You can't just go, oh my God, it's the best thing around. Blah, 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 and then drop it after one album mm-hmm. you know you can't really yep. do that and i sort of felt like bear i mean everyone well, went oh it's really exciting you, you obviously you can because the press do it all the time yeah yeah yeah. sorry yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's no good kind of saying this band are incredible and blah 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 and and to be fair to bear um <laughs> or, or to be fair to the people talking to me about bear you know who really care the, it, 
who really care. Um, and they were there, you know, <laughs> and that's the most important thing. Um, they, they, they at least, you know, uh, I, I, I genuinely believe that they felt that at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, they, you know, it, it was a very, very brief moment. A very kind of brief moment. It was nothing like what we get with Knock Loose or Bocassa or something like that. Do you know uh, what I mean? Just, um, just to interject it, there, looking at their monthly listens on Spotify, the press have certainly dropped them because because I'm I'm really surprised at how, having listened to this, I'm surprised at how small this band are uh, compared to some of their contemporaries, let's say. Mm, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's the kind of context for it. So uh, I, I got this record through and I was like, oh, yeah, that band. I quite like them back in the day. They were good. Oh, Bear, um, yeah, yeah. They made me not despair. Yeah. And I really cared. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. And I was like, you know, I like, I was like, I like this. I, I, I remember thinking that was pretty good. And I was a bit like, you know, um, a bit like Danny Zuko. I was like, wonder what they're doing now. <laughs> so um, so I, I put it on kind of thinking right either they're just doing the same sort of thing or they've got much better okay uh and this is the best thing they've done by a fucking mile oh wicked cool i i I've, this is uh, the first bear record i've heard so i can't say for sure i'm 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 interested to get your thoughts on it rimfrey i like this a lot i think this is very mm. good i think um the three big bands you mentioned there that do the sort of thing that we love the hirsch effect Estrage and um car bomb i don't think it is quite up to those standards but i think they are just based on this record and this record alone i think they are just below those standards um they say they put a dent in gent which i just like um <laughs> it's heavy chaotic math core with very occasional like well with, no, with occasional lapses into more melodic territory. I can see similarities with Botch. Uh, obviously yeah. obviously not as good, but still, that's never a bad thing. Uh, these arms are snakes, I can kind of see as well. Um, I hear a bit of, do you remember the, the band? Well, you do remember the band Steak that we reviewed last yeah. year, their album Critical Method, um, the formerly Steak number eight. I can hear a bit of that as well. They are from Belgium, as are Steak, so maybe there's something in the water there i don't know um yeah this is this is cool i think um i I, every time when i put it on the first couple of times i feared that it wasn't going to keep my attention throughout because it's very heavy and chaotic at the beginning i was like oh 41 minutes are you really going to be able to keep my interest in this and they just every single time they just get to the brink of me like going i'm probably going to get a bit bored now and then they throw something in where i go oh you've gone on off in a different direction and it is amazing mm. like how they they push me right to the edge of like okay i'm about to get bored now and then something comes in like for example might comes in i think might's the fifth yeah. or sixth track and it has this mm-hmm. like really instrumental nine inch nails vibe in its intro um, just for sort of the first minute or so, which is just enough to make me go, oh, you've done something a little bit different there. Um, and now I'm I'm back in. Now I'm um, invested again. Um, mm. uh, yeah, this I, I think if this if this were a debut album, I think I'd be like, fuck me. This band are absolutely terrifyingly amazing and, and one to watch. The fact that it's their fourth makes me a little less excited. I mean, are you kidding? No, it was Destrage's third, wasn't it? Yeah. 
So, you know, let's just put that into perspective a little bit. But having said that, this is still really fucking good. It's really good. Mm. Mm. I, I think it's really good as well. Um, it's it, I actually reviewed it for Metal Hammer. I gave it seven, which a seven Hello. in Metal Hammer um, compared to some of the things that get in seven in Metal Hammer. <laughs> I think it's a, a very high seven. Well, the um, Hirsch effect got seven as well in Metal Hammer. Mm. Mm. Well, that's... Bit, bit silly isn't it um might into gutter love is is great i think that is like a real sort of standout moment in the record um there's what i like about it is you know i think they have more to do with gent than the hirsch effect yes or destrage they do yes and i think probably why we go our oh, destrage and hirsch effect are, are, are really exceptional is because they don't sort of conf- not even conform but they don't care about that terminology and that sound at all i think there's still a little bit of the the gent in bear and that's not necessarily you know that's not a bad as i said it's not necessarily a bad thing it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing if you have a bit of different tonality the my big problem with so many of those bands is they just go gong gong go. like i did it the other week didn't i gong 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 for ages and ages and ages and someone shouts over the top of it there's a bit of Deftones tonality in there. Mm. And the oddest thing for one of these bands is it's got a bit of patience and restraint, which none of those bands have. None of those bands ever show any kind of patience, any kind of restraint. And uh, do you know what? I'm going to say from uh, Pneumonium, is is that what it's called? How's it called? Pneumonium. Pneumonium. (laughs) Fucking hell. Um, Get a three. I'll just refer to the third album. Um, but yeah, from their previous material, uh, bottled saying it. <laughs> I, don't um, from what you're, mater- I don't know what you're going on about now. Uh, from from Bear's... Second al- pre- pre- sorry, okay. Yeah, from, from Bear's previous material, um, I don't think they... I, I think it was kind of quite gung-ho, like most of these bands are. Right. It was quite a lot. Let's chuck a lot of everything in there. And none of those bands show any restraint. And this is the first time where I've gone, fucking hell, you you actually are willing to kind of slow down. You're actually willing to throw... You know, stuff like Botch is a great shout because you don't really hear the influence of a band like Botch on... or Converge on Gent, really. Nope. And you don't hear the influence of... You probably hear it a bit more in Deftones because of Stephen, Stephen Carpenter's guitar tone. But you certainly don't hear the approach of Deftones. You hear the guitar tone of Meshuggah and you hear the guitar tone of Deftones, but you don't hear any of their ideas. You don't hear any of their restraint or any of their kind of the, the same level of technical wizardry. Yeah. Whereas this at least, like, I I agree with you. I don't quite think they are, com- they're not completely unique within the realms of the tech metal world. There's still a little bit of that, um, that sound is there it's in the, it's in them more than it's in Hirsch Effect, Destrage and Carbomb, definitely. And I think that's why those bands are the kind of gold star, A-plus leaders, top of the tree. Mm. But the fact that that Bear have, uh, you know, I think this is a, you know, a huge step up from their last couple of records, personally, mm. Mm. because... Well, like I say, it just it feels like they're actually going. Yeah, we can't. I mean, they're 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 probably quite young, and they're probably pretty fucking. You get to the point as a musician where this sort of tech metal scene, which really is kind of is has it reached saturation point years and years and years and years ago. 
if you're going to survive it, you've got to go and do something different. And a lot of them do not do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one of the bands who are at least, I think, have probably on this record gone, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's do something. Let's at least try and get ourselves out of that. So I think you're right by going, oh, it is their fourth album. But sometimes it takes bands a little bit longer to actually go, you know, they, they did three albums in seven years. They've not done an album for three years. Right. Um, it, then it might have been like they felt like they needed to stop and reassess everything mm. and then go again. And if that's the case, the next one might be really good. If they can reach the standards, if they can, I think this is a big jump from a band who I thought like, oh, this, you know, it's got quite a lot of people going, oh, aren't they good? Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, they're pretty good. They're pretty mm. good. Mm. But this is really good, but it's not amazing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think it's got the potential. I think that they've shown enough growth between records for me to think the next one could be a really amazing. Could be. Well, the, uh, if this one's a silver star, then the next one could be a gold star. Is effectively what mm. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. I think if you had if you had um, uh, turned around to me and said um, this is their worst album. I think I probably would have abandoned this recording and gone and listened to the first three Bear records, and then we would have come back and done Richard Ashcroft later. Um, yeah. the, the fact the fact that this is their best album um, makes me go, okay, cool. I'm not going to be in a massive rush to check out the first three records, but but you are absolutely right. If this is a stepping stone onto something even greater, then holy shit we'll be talking you know we will be talking about them in the same breath as Hersh effect mm. and car bomb and you know, but, you know band bands take a long time to progress don't they i mean i mean actually can like do. we should we yeah they, they can do but i mean we should say with car bomb as an are a good example because you know car bomb's debut album i mean therefore their you know mordial was their fourth album that's their debut fair, yeah. came out in 2007 yeah that's a very good you know. point actually yeah very good point and it has taken them it has taken them a long time i mean everyone sort of again people raved about meta mm. and i was like yeah it's good like it's pretty good it is good but it's not like oh my god and then mordial came along and i was like okay right well now i, I will conf- get it. i will confess i was one of those pe- i was one of those people who raved about meta but um when mordial came out i did feel a little bit silly for raving about meta as much as i did because mordial's e- like so much even better you know like so much better than meta better than better yeah. i'm doing it again cat hat rat you are <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know look if if this is if this is their meta and we've got a mordial coming then i think that's pretty much uh Absolutely. something to be excited about 100 percent. yeah 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 i yeah, cool oh yeah yeah i was just thinking if i prefer this to meta i don't know yes probably do mm, i don't know mm, yeah i do okay i do um anyway that's uh that is good man this is good this is yeah, a good record it if is you, if you are if you are interested in um that type of thing then i think you should definitely give it a listen definitely um it's propaganda and that is by bear and that came out like i say last week all right before we go on let's let's talk <laughs> before we go on before, before we, we go on, before you. we go home i should say um i'm home let's just prep ourselves for broken records here we go okay this week broke we're gonna end the show as we always do searching for the worst record ever made um so far we'll just run down the list what we have um we have uh, nine records now renfrey mm. yeah, so we've got this, a top 10 this is big number 10 yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah yeah 
And number nine, Self-Portrait by Bob Dylan. And number eight, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music. At number seven, Streets and Sky by Enemy, uh, uh, by The Enemy. Uh, at number six, One by Dirty Vegas. Number five, incredibly, uh, is Viva Brothers' famous first words. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> number four, Louis the Fourteenth, Slick Dogs and Ponies. Number three, Queen and Paul Rogers, The Cosmos Rocks. Number two, Eogan Quigg's self-titled debut and only record. And number one, still, still hanging in there at number one for a record nine weeks now, <laughs> is Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume Two. Um, but to be added to that list, we now have to talk about Richard Ashcroft. Um, Renfrey, mm. uh, this is kind of a Richard Ashcroft solo album, or it is in America anyway. It was released on the 19th of July 2010 under the moniker The United Nations of Sound Project. It's a debut, it's the, the band's debut album of sorts, apparently. It's very um, confusing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. confusing, especially when, when it was released in America. <laughs> I think everybody just disowned it mm. and went, oh no, it's a Richard Ashcroft solo album. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you mean disowned it critically or? Uh... No, no. I mean, the people who played on it just went, I oh, know we're not in the band. It was just Richard Ashcroft. I see. Yes, and, yes, yes. And his fingerprints are all over it. Yes. So um, just for a bit of sort of context, Renfrey, we did Urban Hymns on Trade Off. We were super positive about it. It's a, it's a, a classic record from the 90s. Um, you chose The Verve in our episode zero Venn diagram of, of music as a, a potential entry into the world of indie um you wanged on about the guitar playing of uh, nick mccabe at the time about how what a great guitar player he was so it's not really like we're going into this as people who would have any reason to want to shit on richard ashcroft no 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 of, of i mean i mean i think of the two of us i'm definitely the bigger verve fan than, yeah, you, than you um but but i <laughs> The Verve did four records. I think their comeback record fourth is absolutely atrocious, but their first three records I think are fucking great. So I, you know, I, I, I'm definitely a fan, and I, I, it's it's harder with Richard Ashcroft's solo material. Although I do, I did check just before we recorded this. I own three Richard Ashcroft's albums. Apparently, um, don't recall many of them, but <laughs> so I've not listened to them very often. But you know, I am a fan. I am a fan. Um, mm. uh, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it's quite an odd one, this, because normally I go, oh, well, it came together like this and that did that and blah, blah, blah. There's not really a lot of info regarding no. the origins of this project. It just suddenly appeared mm, um, when Richard Ashcroft so. just said, I'm working on a new band. Here's a couple of songs. And it actually leaked online a couple of days before it was officially released. So context wise, I don't know. I have very little to add to that other than that suddenly Richard Ashcroft was doing a new band. Mm. Um uh, and very quickly no which, one cared <laughs> yeah which i guess is you know like i say it just sort of appeared out of nowhere and it kind of got smashed on its release but people i guess want to be nice to richard ashcroft and in 2010 i suppose we're entering the era where it's um be nice to all the big acts at all costs so i mean i that's where kind of critical acclaim was. It's make it or critical kind of thinking was at that point. We've obviously spoken quite a lot about, you know, giving easy rides to bigger artists in the press and stuff. Um, it's, it's one, it's, it's what we wonder, or I wonder anyway, whether we'll actually be able to add any records um, to this broken records list, because it seems quite rare that, you know, a record gets universally panned these days because people are always willing to give it a bit of a you know oh there's a six there or a seven there or whatever um hmm. 
Although there, and, are, there were some positive reviews of this record. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, th- th- but that's what I mean. It was kind of, it's all summed up for me by quite a whimpering BBC review where it says it might not always succeed in its style swapping, but the United Nations of Sound is clearly as bold as a record as Ashcroft has ever made. If you thought he was incapable of making a non-verve album, it's time to think again. Um, I mean, that seems to just... <sighs> anyway, I mean, I that's, don't, I don't, that's... I don't entirely disagree with that, but but I think bold is an is a very kind way to put what this album is. <laughs> Misguided is what I would have said, but but bold yeah. bold is is an extremely kind way to put this to put this album. <laughs> and it it is yeah. a bold record. It's bold. Well, some people decided to go and shit on it. Pitchfork gave it three point two, um, and said altogether now Ashcroft commands. Uh, of us during a Hey Jude style na 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 breakdown of in Born Again, but the extra encouragement only serves to remind us of a time when Ashcroft didn't need to prod us to sing along with him. The Observer said, "How did the United Nations of Sound go so terribly wrong? Instinctually cool, Ashcroft is a borderline mystical figure, effortlessly outclassing his more lumpen peers, the Gallagher brothers. He has bone structure and a fully operational sense of populist uplift. The United Nations of Sound should have been lush, stirring work. Instead, it." wildly misfires uh the rolling stone nailed it uh in the opening of their two out of five review saying open your copy of the english rockstar handbook and look up 40th birthday it's there in the index between football team purchase and fucking models and you'll see english rockstar every english rockstar is required to celebrate this milestone with an overblown album about god humanity and the cosmos but the best review of all for me is the mauling that the quietest gave to this record saying (laughs) going to read quite a big quote from it Mm, saying elsewhere on life can be beautiful ashcroft sounds like his knackers have been twisted in a vice as he churns out lines fit from (laughs) fit for chef from south park there aren't (laughs) many chat lines that can instantly charm your way into another's bed but it's fair to say that the following aren't among them we're just selfish genes i want a triple night I want your body right next to me now. I want to fuck it right. I want to feel real, real slow. Wham, make it free now. Whether Ashcroft... (laughs) It's very Louis XIV, isn't it? Yeah. Whether Ashcroft has released this album as a joke because he is contractually obliged by his label Parlophone to produce another solo offering or because he sincerely thought it was a good idea is open to question. Uh, what is surprising is that even with competent musicians such as Steve Renman and Dwayne D.W. Wright helping him, he's managed to create a record so, so fist-gnawingly dreadful. He may have roped in the likes of No ID to produce this album, but it's fair to say that Ashcroft has no idea what it was that the famed hip-hopper added to the likes of Jay-Z. Um, no idea, so no they, ID. I like it. Yep. Yeah, so there you go. It didn't chart. As far as I can see, anywhere it didn't get into the charts, anywhere. Um, uh, oh God, I, I don't sh- really know where okay. to start with I, this. I'll Renfrew. start. Well, I'll start, and let's start at the beginning. Um, when I first put this on, uh, I was like, "This isn't that bad, is it?" Um, it sounded like a record to me. You know, when artists descend into doing bad impressions of themselves. It just sounded like that to me. It was just like, this is just Richard Ashcroft mm. doing a bad impression of Richard Ashcroft initially. <laughs> uh, when I say initially, I basically mean the first two songs. Um, and at first I was just like, 
well, this is just going to be an enormously repetitive album, isn't it? Um, to give an idea of how repetitive, uh, Mr. Ashcroft manages to say, are you ready in the song, are you ready? Or variations of the phrase, are you ready? I should say 58 times in the first five Fucking minutes of this album. Hell. That was fun. I mean, counting those. Um, I haven't counted it, Renfrey, but I have to say as well, as are you ready? I listened to it and now on retrospect, because I was listening to it and and I was like, is there an alarm going off? Like across the road or something? Oh. There's an alarm going off in the back of that song throughout the entire thing. Now, um, that you're, song's you're, you're, six minutes and 31 seconds long. Do you honestly think anyone wants to listen to an alarm going off? When I realised that it, somebody, somebody from their label has put that in there, I'm sure they must have done, to go run you need to run <laughs> away from this album um I, I i didn't hear the alarm do you know what i said exactly the same thing but for born again so i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna read verbatim what i put in my notes because it echoes what you just said so much as i was listening to born again a car alarm was going off outside it was kind of irritating but i was like whatever Someone will turn it off in a minute. After a couple of minutes, I'm like, someone's got to turn off that fucking car alarm. And then I realise it's on the actual song. And it's yeah. quite it's quite low in the mix, as if a car alarm is going off outside when you've got the window closed. But once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. And it's fucking Yeah, actually, irritating. maybe I, that, that's probably what I was talking to. For yeah. some reason, I thought it was on the first song. But uh, yeah, no, it's, the third it is, it's like, yeah. you've put an alarm... <laughs> in a song <laughs> what are you doing i mean you're right uh, the opening song is six minutes and it basically richard ascroft just asks are you ready before telling us that he is ready <laughs> it's so rubbish it's like yeah mate i'm fucking ready i'm ready are you you say you're ready get on with it then if you're not ready could you just get on with like, you it could be get ready it, it <laughs> could be you're ready it could be a meta piece of genius about how maybe his girlfriend takes a really long time to get ready uh when they're going out at night or something like that i mean it could be maybe it's the best thing uh best mm. thing ever and, and, and uh, but no it's um I, i'd like to see um richard ashcroft and jonathan davis doing uh are you ready off that'd be interesting yeah, that would be good. <laughs> some wayos by Billy Joe Armstrong as well. Chuck some of them in as well, isn't it? Oh my God, there, there is a broken record. Jonathan Davis, Richard Ashcroft, and Billy Joe Armstrong. <laughs> I mean, wow, uh, um, fucking unbelievable. Anyway, um, as I say, so yeah. so after first after the first two tracks, I wasn't particularly loving rec- this record, but I didn't think it was absolutely awful either i just found it enormously repetitive and figured okay we're just going to be talking about an album that's almost an hour long which should probably only have been 35 minutes maybe 40 minutes maximum you know a little bit like the moby thing um but unfortunately (laughs) um it descends so much further um from track three onwards uh at the beginning of america i mean how do i put this it sounds like Mr. Well, he's searching for America, isn't he? Well, he is. Um, I'm searching for America. It's like it's on the map, mate. You don't need to. <laughs> like, it is on the map. This is G- This is like year seven GCSE geography. <laughs> um, it sounds like Mr. Ashcroft is trying to imitate the stylings of a uh, a person of color. Let's say. Uh, do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to this in a bit. I mean, I, I can't believe you're you're going. Oh, are you ready? Along with its fucking 
um no not no, born again mm. i mean born again is this is where it starts to go full evangelical i think i mean <laughs> the bit where he's like going i'm born again come on come on yeah one life one nation yeah, yeah one love one oh, lo and there's a bit right, one yeah. of the lyrics in it is he goes i held the hand of a crying dove <laughs> <laughs> doves don't have hands <laughs> and, and doves don't cry as prince famously told us <laughs> yeah it's like they don't appear to cry they definitely don't have hands and it's just about him being is it not me that he's going oh by the way i'm jesus on the second track he's basically going yeah i think i'm by the way before we get any further in his album i'm jesus by the way i am jesus oh <laughs> it, man he just throws it in in the second track yeah it's unbelievable yeah i mean but yeah, go on. On America. Well, he the, starts the to... opening of America is this is the Wild West. Yeah. All this sex, pain, tears, joy, the universal language. This is music. Are you tuning in? Are you tuning in? Fuck there are me. so many hilarious ad libs. And oh, what, yeah. what it is, is is like it's. It's, it's, he somebody says something or he says something and then somebody says it in a slightly different way straight up do you know that kind yeah, of backing yeah, vocal yeah. thing, so that MC there's, thing. There's, yeah 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 there's um this thing called uh this thing called life does that loads there's a bit where he goes he's like a, uh, he's like, in the matrix tonight yeah who's in the mate somebody's in the matrix and then <laughs> let's do this thing called life yeah let's do life right yeah we're gonna do life like <laughs> Good loving. He sounds like fucking Randy Watson from Coming to America. <laughs> Good loving in the morning. I like feeling it through your fingers. Huh? <laughs> what, are you, what are you on about? I mean, the mind it's, boggles. I, I have a few images in my mind and I don't like any of them. Um, there's, there's so many lyrics on this that are just ridiculous like there's one she brings me the music he said i see people walking down the street seeing people walking the wrong way it's like you don't know where they're going <laughs> how do you know where they're going how do you know where they're going <laughs> that's like people who can who at the moment we recorded this during covid um being the thing and people who complain about being pe people being outside when they are outside it's like what are you talking about you fuckwit you're outside it's even worse because you're allowed to be walking down the street when Richard was <laughs> recording this he's like you're walking the wrong way man he's like no i'm not i live here i live like around the corner from me <laughs> like, i'm going home no man you're walking the wrong way man i've seen it man oh <laughs> uh there's there's an awful lot of the lyrical content on this album is about um the power of music right yeah. and about how it's, it's, there's a lot of kind of heal the world type vibes but through the power of music man uh bill and ted mm. but unfortunately the beauty of bill and ted is it does it in a sort of funny way uh but this is very po-faced and very serious um mm. i fucking love music right um i hope i'm not uh, uh i hope i'm not um, putting words into your mouth when i say that you fucking love music as well um oh, that's dead kind of, that's kind of, <laughs> kind, of, kind of sort of the reason why we do this podcast okay um and i do think music's important to a degree and i do think that it can genuinely empower people and make individuals lives much better and more fulfilling um but when artists do this whole kind of music can heal the world kind of bullshit shtick 
it never looks good. It never looks good. And it's fucking, let's face it, it's, it's music doesn't stop wars. <laughs> you know, well, I'm, I'm sorry, war child. It just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't. And, 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 and it's so po face and so sort of like, all we just need is the music, man. And then we'll be peace and love. And I oh, fuck off. I hate it. I mean, Rubbish. yeah, musically, musically, he is like jumping around trying to do hip hop and yeah. orchestral stuff and yeah. sort of like world music parts and big kind of bombastic stuff. And, you know, he's crap at most of them. And if it was just him being a bit crap at, you know, doing kind of some sort of soul version of Richard Ashcroft and the Verb, then you'd kind of be able to take it. But there's a song life can be so beautiful which sounds like flight of the concords and that man saying the stuff over the back melody thing again like, i take it anywhere you want to go yeah i can take it anywhere yeah life can be so wonderful yeah life is wonderful and that's what i'm talking about now <laughs> so, selfish dreams yeah my dreams are so selfish they're really selfish and that's what i I mean, it's appalling, but genuinely hilarious as well. Yeah, it is. Oh, genuinely, so at the end of that song, he starts going, "I do this for free. <laughs> I do this for free." I don't. It's like, well, we did with this record because it didn't sell anything, did it? <laughs> I mean, the level of egotism on this record, the oh, sheer yeah. bloated, yeah. hilarious, misguided nonsense of this record, is staggering that is staggering from yeah. someone who could clearly write personal and simple and effective accounts of stuff that happened in life we talk about the drugs, drugs don't, don't work, work when we when when we we did urban hymns and you just think that guy <laughs> wrote life can be so beautiful i, I do this for free <laughs> come together one love one nation like all this it's like are you mad yeah. and it, it's like, that thing you said about musicians being po face that, that bit Stuart lee does where um he said he went to when he was doing Jerry Springer the opera. He was nominated for you know lots of um, various theatre prizes, yes. and somebody went. I think he said Simon Callow went up on stage and said, "Thank you all for being here tonight because we are actors, and being an actor is the most important job in the world." And Stuart Lee laughed as if, and he thought everyone would laugh along right, with him. Right. But they all went, "Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it?" Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Do you know what I mean? Like more important than being a firefighter or <laughs> being a nurse or, a or being a scientist or yeah. actually being, you know, do you know what I mean? And it's so funny that these people can be just like, I hate, I don't want to sound like someone who followed Piers Morgan up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, who's going like, I've fucking like living in their liberal bubble. I don't, don't say, you don't have any right to say anything political. You're, you're totally, you don't know anything about normal people's lives. You're bloody, you, you loveies, you bloody loveies coming on telling me how to think and that. I don't want to sound like that at all. But in this case, Richard Ashcroft, sit the fuck down. Yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Sit the fuck down. Sit yeah. down. Yeah. Like it, I, I mean, what could have happened to him here? I, mean, I blame John Lennon for all. He started all this shit. He really but, did, didn't he? He really yeah. did. I mean, you know, obviously I love a lot of Lennon's work in the Beatles, but after the Beatles, what the fuck? Like, d get out of bed. In fact, just, no, <laughs> don't just stay in bed. I don't give a fuck anymore. If you want to stay in bed, stay in bed, but you're not making a bloody political change protest. The world by yeah, fucking exactly. stupid. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like, again, you know, I, I, we, we both really like John Lennon. Um, yeah. His music. His music, yeah. But let's be clear. he's done some stupid shit. Oh, God, And yeah. ever since that, 
ever since him going on and going, oh, well, the thing is, actually, we can change the world if we stick together. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be part of your society. Like, <laughs> I've never heard you, Lennon. That's fantastic. <laughs> I often do. I often do John Lennon and Paul McCartney claiming they invented everything to my girlfriend who likes it. You should be like, do you want some avocado on toast? Oh, you know, the thing is, uh, we used to put a, uh, John was probably the first person to put avocado on. I just got an avocado and I thought, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I'm putting it on a piece of toast. Yeah, you know, I just sort of buttered the toast and then put it down in front of him. And then John came in, and, you know, that's how the Beatles invented putting avocado on. We just, we invented that. That was our thing. We did it before. I know people forget that. Yeah, you invented everything. You're in the Beatles. You invented everything. Well done. Um, anyway, Whoa, that was anyway. That, I thought I was going to have a heart attack there. That was very good. Uh. Anyway, uh, I mean, yeah, you know. So it's that. This record is astonishingly bad. I mean, talk about a broken record. Like the very idea of it being broken. This is. Uh, I, I mean, I still don't even think we've done it justice on how fucking hideous this is. Oh, there's, uh, well, I mean, well, there's more to talk about. <laughs> musically, it's bad, but I mean, yeah, go on. Anyway, what, you, well, what else? Um, you know what? Uh, we sort of discussed on this show before about like um, cultural appropriation and so on and so forth and how, uh, well, again, just, you know, not, not meaning to like uh, have a pop at, you know, liberal (laughs) well (laughs) we've already done that haven't we uh liberal left you know uh bearing in mind that generally we are of that persuasion but like um when people when people accuse people of uh, cultural appropriation and so on and so forth i i always think that that's a load of nonsense because a i think the idea that a certain set of ideals or musical styles belong to one race and one race only is frankly reductive and stupid in the extreme anyway yeah b i I think building up rules and telling creative people that they can't go down certain avenues stifles creativity and art is littered with examples when artists have taken ideas that haven't come from their own culture they've molded it into something different that is equally as valid and and as interesting as the original idea um, because they're seeing it from their own perspective but then I hear a song like Beatitudes or America and I go, maybe the people who wang on about cultural appropriation do have a point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. because the thing is, is the argument for, for cultural appropriation is is it's when people do it badly and it's when people do it to a, in a way that they don't understand. You are cracking up for some reason. It's not to do with what I'm saying. <laughs> what is it? I just, I just got a train. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I've never seen you like this. Oh my god! I've just got I've got the track listing up. Yes. I just listened to the normal version, but I've got the special. <laughs> my apologies, everyone. Uh, I've got the special European iTunes edition. <laughs> I haven't even I haven't even heard this song right, but I. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god, I do apologize. There's, there's a bonus there's a bonus track. <laughs> Come on, Steve. I can't there's edit a bonus this. Track. There's a bonus track on the European iTunes edition. And the song's called <laughs> This better be worth it. Captain <laughs> Come on. 
Come on. Captain Rock. <laughs> Captain Rock. <laughs> that's that's like that's like the guy they have on the front of Ricicles. Is that Captain Rock? <laughs> Captain Rock. <laughs> You've written a song. <laughs> Call Captain I'm sorry, I'm sorry everyone, oh, but God. Steve's broken. <laughs> oh God, I can't imagine how bad that is. I've, I've never seen you happy before, Steve. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, I've Captain... just seen... Uh, <laughs> Captain Rock is dreadful. I've just seen um, there's some fan club exclusive tracks. There's some fan, fan club exclusive tracks oh, as yeah, well. Look. Called Here We Go Again. I hope if it's are you ready I hope not uh, screw you screw me unbelievable you know it's so funny because when I started when I when our band got together back in the day and my mum's friend Rose who is very nice but she's very like oh, oh, oh Rose oh oh she's quite like quiet and she's a quiet old lady and my mum went here Rose <laughs> Stephen and Darren, they've started in, they've started a band. And she went, oh, oh, oh like a rock band. <laughs> and my mum went, yeah. She went, oh, you should call yourselves the Rock Boys. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock Boys. And Captain I Rock and the Rock Boys. And I just thought, like, that's an, an old woman who knows, who's never been outside of a village thinking that that's what rock songs can be called. <laughs> would be called Richard Ashcroft is actually a rock star and still called a song Captain Rock unbelievable yeah god uh well yeah. Captain Rock <laughs> Captain Rock and the Rock Boys will be coming to you uh in Captain Rock that is good um but anyway mate yeah sorry you were talking about cultural appropriation oh no I'm no sorry. I was kind of done with it <laughs> I was kind of done with the culture I, I, I suppose normally I I find the the cultural appropriation thing a bit of a silly argument because <coughs> if cultural appropriation wasn't a thing we'd have no rage against the machine as for one example mm. for example um but um uh yes it, i liked when bill burr said <laughs> black people aren't allowed to ride skateboards because white people invented them so you you can't have them like wow. you go ah, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean Exactly. Yeah. It is the same it's, argument. Because it's stupid. Yeah, it is, it yeah. is the same yeah. argument. It's completely ridiculous. Um, but all I was saying is this album actually makes me side with those people because fuck me, Richard Ashcroft does it in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the point I was trying to make. It, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it is... It's bad. I mean, this is a bad record. Mm. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. This is one of the few that I would say to people, you should go and listen to this. Uh, do you know what? I agree. And um, here is the thing. When it comes to ranking it, as we're about... Which we're going to do we're, now. Which we're going to do now. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I gave you a, a little tease at the beginning of this uh, uh before we started recording and I and I said you know what it's really bad but I'm not totally convinced it's as bad as the Verve's comeback record fourth which came out not heard that uh which came out two years prior to this album coming out um the thing is though they're difficult to compare because they're bad for completely and utterly different reasons um this is bad because it's so I think I think misguided 
is is the word um and it's an artist who has ideas attempting to do things way beyond his means or his range i don't think it's hideously offensive this record it doesn't offend me that richard ashcroft you know when he does things which are maybe a little too black for him let's say it doesn't offend me but i suppose it's not going to offend me it would probably offend a a black person if it did but but i don't find it offensive i just think i'm just like don't do that no 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 don't 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 go into that territory that you, you you that is beyond you mr ashcroft you shouldn't be doing that um the thing with fourth is it's just boring and flabby and i'm like which is worse someone who tries to do something new and different because you know what i do admire about this record is it is richard ashcroft trying to do something a bit different i'm the 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 problem is the execution is absolutely hideous i mean it's terrible um and and actually i i there aren't many got even even uh lou reed and metallica's lulu there were bits that were executed well i mean people don't you know people just go i am a table and say that the whole thing's fucking rubbish but the majority of those people haven't even bothered to listen to the whole thing and um the very last song that's in the hat mate don't don't no 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 sorry i know i know oh yeah no you're right uh but but Mm. but, okay there are good things on lulu yeah not to spunk it Mm. but um but um it does feel like everything on this it, is embarrassing. Uh, uh, yeah, every, every single yes. second of this. That's my point. Is in, is hilarious and embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yes, um, it is a bad one to kind of. I mean, where would you posit but, but, putting it? But I don't want to shit on it too much because at least he's trying something new. And in that respect, like like you just said, I would actually recommend people listen to this in a way. And and I actually sort of agree with you because it's such a car crash. It's so kind of like, oh my God, are you, you're doing that? You're going there? And as a result, despite this record being 56 minutes and six seconds, I never found it boring because I was so stunned, like constantly that he was going to that place. And that, I mean, if I listened to it again, I'd find it boring because obviously that shock value has been taken away now. But um, fourth is just boring and bloated and there so where would i posit putting it well um hmm. uh well i find it more pleasurable to listen to the enemy streets of the sky it's difficult isn't it like it's and it's not offensive in the way that slick dogs slick dogs and ponies is offensive i mean you know a person of color might say do you know where i want to put it where do you want to put it number one really i want to put it at number one Because it is completely and utterly so insanely bad. None of the other ones have made me (laughs) piss myself. Like the Cosmos Rocks we thought was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Famous first words is sort of too shit to be funny. Eogan was kind of like a bit depressing that it was that shit. Six Feet Under is just like, what the fuck are you doing? This, in terms of is it, does it work in any way? It is an absolute disaster a complete disaster from the second you press play to the end it's a disaster everything about it is a complete disaster the room the tommy wiseau Mm, film mm. the best worst film ever Mm. or the worst best film ever however you want to look at it you know the room wouldn't be the you know the, the 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 fifth worst film ever it's fucking dreadful and the fact that it's so 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 dreadful is what make people like about it what people like about it in terms of 
how this album is put together, how it's been composed, compiled. It's the worst album. It is the worst of them. It is absolutely don't, all over the place. I don't know if I strictly agree. I mean, for example, the production on the record is not bad. It's very, it's very um, uh, dated, uh, even for the time, 2010. Um, but I don't like, you know, I think it's produced uh, exquisitely, actually, like really, really well and stuff like that, whereas Six Feet Under isn't. And it depends mm. what this table is. If this table is what is the best worst record in the manner that the room is one of the best worst films ever and people get enjoyment out of it because it's so bad <clears throat> this is very comparable to the room because i got enjoyment out of listening to this because it's so bad but is that yeah. is that what the broken record league table is i would argue well i think it's just i would argue up to this point it hasn't been that no but i mean we haven't had anything as like just i mean eve this is a different level of like oh my fucking god what the hell are you doing to me this is so like it's so funny that somebody could be could go from like bittersweet symphony to this mm. in 13 years yeah. fucking hell i mean six feet under have never been good six feet under probably couldn't afford to, a decent production <clears throat> or so it's badly produced eogan they couldn't be bothered to produce it well someone's tried to make it sound good and you can say like oh the production's good but the fact that that does not help this record in any way whatsoever True. goes True. to show that even great production and even people who are probably, I mean, who produced, I'm just going to have a look and see who produced it. No. Oh yeah. No ID. Like no mm. ID who mm. produced fucking Kanye West and fucking Jay-Z. I mean, a G unit, like well, that... he's got, he knows what he's doing. Well, yeah. And I, and I think this record, uh... I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the production on this record at all. I understand what you're saying. I'm un I understand that you're saying even a good producer can't save this because it's that bad. But I don't know. Like when I when I think of Six Feet Under, it's like well, even they couldn't even get the production right on that terrible, terrible idea, which to me kind of makes it worse. Do you know what I mean? It it, it depends yeah. what the what we're what we're trying to do with this with this chart with this table. Well, they're all so different. It, well, it's it's very hard. Yeah, it very like there's hard. nothing really, and and actually there's some pretty six feet under was relatively funny, but in terms of like just I mean there's nothing apart from the the the, the Cookie Monster like a cappella cookie monster there's nothing on it that i was like ah that's really funny i was just like oh this is kind of boring and shit and depressing and badly made and a terrible idea from a really bad band <laughs> this is like i think it deserves to be number one because it's like you can't go around acting like this mate you can't go around saying you're jesus on the second track and putting this out you can't do that like six feet under didn't make me go oh my god you honestly think you're jesus like i i, I yeah fucking dreadful this record like uh, we both like agree say, with that we both hilarious yeah hilarious well, that's the thing but dreadful but i got i got enjoyment out of laughing at richard ashcroft with it which is why i'm kind yeah, of but like that's just a natural human emotion to to to, to, to sort of laugh to mock something which is dreadful but i but, um, but i didn't get enjoyment out of listening to six feet under that's my argument i'd like i i was just like oh my god this is fucking pathetic this is so bad. 
Um, mm. I, I wonder if we should, I wonder, because we could be talking about this for quite a long time. I'm aware that we've done a pretty long podcast as it is. I wonder, I was saying it, it should probably go eighth, you know, which is way, you know, way different to yours. You said um, it should probably go first. I wonder if we should put it um, fourth between Queen and Louis the Fourteenth um, as a compromise. It can't go. It, it, Cosmos Rocks is nowhere near as bad as this. It's got to go. I think they're quite comparable, the, actually. I think they're quite they're, comparable. Yeah, they're quite comparable. Into, I think they are. I mean, I think that's why this has to go above it, because they are quite comparable. And although Queen did dip into, we can save the world... Paul Rogers wasn't saying, oh, by the way, I'm Jesus for seven minutes. <laughs> Although he did just the other day um, because uh, it was reported that he was dead. Yeah. And he did yeah. uh, have a video which came up which said, don't panic, everyone. I'm still alive. Like we're all going to be panicking that Paul Rogers is dead. So I think he does think he's Jesus. Um, look, uh, that's not compelling enough um, evidence for me, I'm afraid. Okay, all right. Just to literally going, I am Jesus. <laughs> Sing with me, I am Jesus. I held the hand of a dove. No, you didn't. A crying dove. A crying dove. Yeah. Um, all right, look, I will I will acquiesce again and, and say third, but I don't think it should go above six of the under or a yogin, I'm afraid. But I, I you've argued it well enough for me to go, okay, third place, but you know, I've already compromised, Steve. Come on. <laughs> I think it should be eight. I still think it should be eighth, but I but I'm hearing you out and I understand. Eight. What he's, yeah, because 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 I mean, I don't want to encourage Richard Ashcroft to do this. I I think he should just retire, to be honest. Um, and I'm saying that as someone who really likes the Verve. But um, well, I'm su- I'm suggesting third. Would you be happy with? Third? All right, third. Okay. Yeah, we can put it third. We can put it third. I mean, I kind of feel a bit sorry for Six Feet Under at this point. Um, I think they're getting a bit of a rough ride personally, but uh, something's going to come along at some point which is going to top that but the thing is is six feet under if we're going to go like hey it made me laugh so it's not so bad then nothing's going to top it because some of the shit that is in there is just like oh god what were you thinking um it just depends on the criteria i mean that's the thing if we were looking for the best worst record then this is number one undoubtedly but it it, i don't even know if it is uh i don't uh, yeah Mm. uh, anyway let's move on Mm. we're going to pick another one to be added to the uh i've actually already picked it um Oh, wow. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> God. Um, more of that, is it? Uh, Lauren Hill, MTV Unplugged 2.0. Oh. Oh. Which I've seen. Oh. I like Lauren. I like Lauren Hill a lot. Okay. But fuck me. Okay. Um, all right. So that's going in next week. That's going to be a very different chat. And I don't think we're going to be laughing so much, Renfrey, to be perfectly honest. Oh. Lauren Hill's MTV Unplugged. We'll be talking about that next week, along with new albums from Old Man Gloom, The Ditch and the Delta, and the 1975 album out as well. So will we get that? Nah, probably not. Uh, go to musicism.net and put right into their checkout to get 25% off of all of their courses. Go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you'd like to listen to our classic album series, which will be Glass Jaws, everything you ever want to know about silence and worship and tribute. That's coming next week um, or Monday. In a couple of days, basically Monday, yeah. Um, and we will see you next week for more fun and frolics. So uh, say goodbye, Captain Rock. Goodbye, Captain Rock. <laughs>